everybody. Thank you for listening in and welcome to another episode of Tuned Into Tennis. I am your host, Miles David, and together we'll get tuned into some of the biggest action going on around the tennis world. This week, we are in Paris, France. Yes, folks, the second Grand Slam tournament of the season has finally rolled around and is set to dominate the tennis headlines for the next two weeks. Joining me to discuss the tournament, and some of our favorite player storylines going into the event are Lucy and Eugene of Black Spin Global. Lucy and Eugene created the platform to highlight and celebrate black players within our wonderful sport. They joined me from London as we discussed how the men's and women's field at Roland Garros have shaped up, where you all should keep an eye at in the draw, and why we all have such a passion for ushering in an era of new media in professional tennis. One technical note before we get into the conversation, Lucy's mic on the day of recording wasn't necessarily her best friend, so her audio is a little low, but we've tried to work that out as best as we can, and it should still be a really fun listen. I hope you enjoy one of our longer episodes we've released and put it on while you relax during this extended Memorial Day weekend. Without too much more being said, let's get into today's show. guys glad to be collaborating with two people whose content i'm always happy to see come across my feed timeline or playlist lucy and eugene host of the black spin global tennis podcast super excited to see what you guys are doing for the culture and for the popularity of tennis and i'm even more excited to have you on today's show as we look through what's just been dropped into all of our laps the 2023 Roland Girls Tournament Draw. Men's hey. <laughs> that, was, that, that was an excellent, excellent. <laughs> I was so, I'm trying to keep quiet like, all, all the way through, but no, brilliant. <laughs> Love that, Miles. <laughs> if, it, if it matters, I matters. I, I probably did that. I probably wrote all of that down less than 12 hours ago. So, hey, I'll take that. I'll, oh, I'll give my help back. Still, still. <laughs> Love it. Thanks. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on and do this. So, um, yeah, let's get tuned in together and let's let's talk about some of our favorite players. I really, really appreciate you guys' um, perspective and niche because, like, not only are we in like the same niche of professional tennis, you guys have chosen the path to be to be even more niche and exclusively look at the players of color, the black players, and although I have a obvious affinity for black players too <laughs> <laughs> like you guys take that and just run with it in a way that like I feel is super dope. So I've and I've put some I've tried to spotlight some players in our like in our episode rundown so that you guys can get a chance to uh, share with my listeners like all the expertise you guys have on some players that I might not, you know. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to get into. So before we do that, let's go over, I guess, some of the tidbits of news and stuff that have hit the tennis world over the past 24 to 48 hours. I guess we should start with something that's like not so wonderful as far as the perspective of our players. And I've seen people talk about it. <laughs> Mikhail, man. I've, I've already seen people be like, oh, my God, why it had to happen to us? So like between two between two guys playing out there. But uh, Michael Emer of Sweden, he got defaulted in his match versus Arthur Feast in the Lyon ATP 250 tournament. And were you guys watching that in real time? Like, were you guys having that match on? I'll let you go first, Lucy. So I, I was actually at work, so I had it on, like, in the background. But I, I was, like, kind of paying attention. Um, but not I couldn't hear anything. I just had this, uh, I had no sound, but I, I could just watch it, basically. So when I saw the um, kind of, <laughs> I don't know, there was, like, a bit of a back and forth between Immo and the umpire. 
I was like, hang on a minute, let me try and tune in some sound. And then, yeah, heard what the kind of <laughs> hoopla um, was about. And again, I didn't see it in real time in terms of the point that he was contesting. Um, <laughs> but then when I did, when the, when the replay played, I was like, hang on a minute. Like, yeah, the umpire should have come down and, you know, checked the line there. Like, that was... I know, I know people who are arguing saying, well, he hit the ball and then he... But everybody hits the ball. Everybody <laughs> everybody that plays tennis hits the ball before they're like, wait, hold on, let's look at this point, especially on clay because there's a... That's exactly, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, with it being a clay court, you would you would expect the umpire to come and check the line because there'll, there'll be something there to see, whether it was in or out. So for me, it doesn't condone what Emma did. I, I think, yeah, he, he, he was... He just lost it, and like I said, his head gone. Like it was a, and I, he's not that type of person as well. Like he's he, he's usually pretty like mellow on the court. So that was like out of character um, from my perspective, anyway. So to kind of see that it was, it was pretty shocking. And like I, I don't like you said, I, I we as a platform we don't like to kind of focus on like negativity as such. Um, but I mean, I, we're not condoning what he did. I mean, I don't know what, how you feel, Lucy. Um, Dan Parrish has just done his job. He should have just done his damn job. Your job is to check the line. Your job is to get out of that high chair, go down and check the line. Even if you know, believe, seen it, lived it, smelled it, that it was out, you still had to do it. And I think that's the frustrating thing. It's like all of that. That's what I said even yesterday. All of this could have been avoided if he actually just did his job. It's actually that simple. I'm actually interested in seeing like if they're going to do anything with the empire because he didn't do like the way i say they both they were both in the wrong here he should have not you know gone to that extent being that upset with what happened um and the empire should have just done his job as well you know and and that's it and to go back into the whole you like eugene saying that um we don't want to i was a bit hesitant to tweet about it on the black swing global like account to be fair because the only reason why it's not a thing of like we only want to talk about you know we only want to like pick and choose and stuff but it's like these other platforms and medias are going to milk this like crazy and it's like we want our platform to be a bit more like we're cheering on hence why i was going for the empire to be fair and be like I you messed up here but at the same time Emma I've just, you know, cooled down. But you never know, probably something happened. Like like Eugene said, like, we've never seen him. Like, this is the one and only time. There's players that, that literally act like... They act yeah. crazy. It's, it's, it's pretty him. even cool. Like, I, I think I've seen him, like, cons- like go up to the... Yeah, like, we, we, we normally don't even hear much about him in the tennis world as far as reactions and stuff like that until you get something like this with him cracking the side of the the chair empire's, like, what do you even call that? Because it's, like, one big chair. Yeah, it's you know? just a chair. <laughs> it's yeah, just one yeah. large chair. Yeah. And he, I mean, as, as, far as, as far as, like, mild entertainment from it goes, he gave it a good crack. So if you were going to do that... <laughs> hey, 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 that was... You literally snapped racket. the racket in half. I was like, flipping hell. It was literally gone. He but put his he put his foot in it. <laughs> no, honestly, but that just shows to you how like I think a lot of the things were getting to him, and plus the crowd was booing at him like crazy. He was playing a Frenchman in Lyon, France. Exactly. Like, yeah, and it's it's only going to get worse. Like Lyon, Lyon, Lyon. I mean, if you guys think Paris is the ghetto, respectfully, Lyon. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> but um yeah i think it was just a lot of things that were going on he was already pissed off with them i think he was a he was a bit annoyed with the empire right before that right about something i think and then the crowd booing and all of these type of stuff i think everything was just building up and he mm -hmm. just lost it and then yeah in, in yeah. tennis in general if you look at his results right tennis in general is one of those things where like if you take a loss in, in comparison to other sports, like losing is definitely not the the preferred choice out of a win or a loss, right? Mm -hmm. But in tennis, you really kind of keep have to you have to keep going on that hamster wheel. And his results have not been wonderful the past couple of weeks. So all of that tied into like playing a young yeah. playing, playing a younger guy who's like kind of coming for that spot. You know, mm -hmm. all of the tension in the match, people booing at you, and then on top of that, you have a, a linesman who's put there or a chair empire rather who's put there to do his job and he had the shortest walk of all time he literally <laughs> it could have been that could have been wrapped up in five seconds who would have, who, who's to say who's to say how um uh, emer would have responded to that there probably still would have been some back and forth but at least I, I get the optics that he would have been able to like walk walk beside instead of just somebody being like hey i'm not even bothering with doing my job for you at the moment just just yeah. get over it so that's unfortunate but i think you know they both we move, right? We move forward. Like it's not, it's not the world's, end, it's not the end of the world at all. I mean, in, in I, other... I do want to say with Fee's story as well. I think he deserves yeah. a lot of credit for the way he kind of handled the whole situation. Like he's only eighteen. Is he eighteen or nineteen? He, he turns nineteen in June. I just looked that yeah. up. Love <laughs> that. So yeah, like he's a kid yet. Kind of, I thought it was very mature in the way he handled the whole situation. And like, like Lucy said, the crowd are really going in at him as he was walking off, like booing and howling. I don't know if you guys saw Feast was yeah, like telling the crowd to like settle, like around. settle down. And I thought again that that takes a lot of like just a, a, a certain level of class. I thought he showed in, in that in that situation. So I think we should applaud him for that. Yeah, he has a natural showmanship vibe to him in a, in a very smart way. Like it doesn't seem like he's really out there for just the gusto and all of it. Like he he plays smart tennis, but he also in that moment showed that he has like the emotional intelligence to exactly. be like, hey, let's not rob this up any more than it has to. So that that was yeah. good to see for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In other Emer brother news, though, it's not it's not all just you know negative and kind of wishy washy <laughs> vibe. Is <laughs> I think. Elias is the older brother. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Elias, the older of the uh, two Emer brothers, is actually competing in the final round of the Roland Garros qualifying draw. And he takes on Yannick Hanfman to yeah. uh, compete for a place into the main draw. And I don't think they're on the slate for today. I think that's later on tomorrow. I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's something to look forward to. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And again, Elias, I don't know how many appearances, appearances he's had at Roland Garros, but. I know last year at Wimbledon, that was his first main draw appearance at Wimbledon. So I know he's not had many kind of Grand Slam main draw appearances. So it would be huge if, if he gets in um, Roland Garros. And I think coming through qualifying as well, there's like a certain level of like, um, I don't know, it feels more special, I think, when players get through and qualifying. Like obviously every player deserves to be there on merit through ranking or yeah, if it's qualifying or what, even wild cards. Like if you, if you earn a wild card, like you've earned that wild card. I right. think in a lot of instances. So, but yeah, qualifying is definitely something again that I think players they need to get kind of praised and like a lot of credit for going down the the, the uh, qualifying route. So, yeah, shouts out to Elias definitely. Especially if he gets that win over Humphman, because I think Humphman made the quarters of Rome, he, and he I think uh, Yannick Humphman. 
I always mess up his last name because it's like, is it Hansen? I, I think you're saying it really well because okay. I, I struggle with it too. So, yeah. Huntsman, yeah. Huntsman. He, <laughs> yeah. Made the, he made the quarters of Rome, and I think he had to qualify that event too. So he had a runner form right there too. So if I'm pulling for Elias, I mean, if he gets that win, that'll definitely show he's at a pretty decent level going into the main draw yeah. for sure. Lucy, did you see anybody else make it to the final round of qualifying that you had your eye on? Um, wait. There isn't somebody with like a banging bodysuit that has your attention. <laughs> <laughs> Go, mama. <laughs> wait. <who? laughs> Listen, I'm trying to give you the alley oop, but I got you. I got you, Taylor Townsend. Taylor Townsend. Oh, yeah. I said Taylor. Was oh, I didn't hear that. Taylor. I didn't hear that. It's because your mic's so low. I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh my gosh, my mic. No. So, okay. okay, so sorry. I literally, I literally said, wait, Taylor, right? Yeah. What yeah. She. Place, what color is the place at this time? I think she's back in that like neon yellow. Last time I saw her play. I don't. I don't know if she's wearing that at the French, as in in qualifying. She has, but, yeah. I saw, I saw her on the court in that yellow one. Only reason I know I swear, is, I, 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 swear, I swear they were hating on the play suits. <laughs> That's no what I was way. going to say. Somebody texted me and was like, "Isn't this similar to what they said Serena couldn't wear in 2018?" Yeah. it's the same concept. Maybe, well, maybe because it's just the the court, the, like the qualifiers that she's playing that they're allowing it for now. But maybe once, like obviously, when she, if she once she gets to the main draw, maybe she might not be able to wear it who knows i hope they don't I mean, stop her yeah like i mean I it's not it. like it's, she's not wearing anything provocative like she's exactly. wearing something anybody would train in and i mean she exactly. i think she has a really good shot for the court for the main draw i should say she plays 19 year old maria tamafiva tamafiva of yeah, russia of russian yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's going to be, to be fair, to, I think she got a good win in the second round against Kaya, Kaya Yuvan. Yep. She was like the 20th seed. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Townsend, she, she's playing some really good tennis at the moment. And she's obviously coming off the back of the um, 1 2 5 final as well. Mm-hmm. I think it was in Italy. Um, Florence, lost, I think, yeah. Yeah, where she lost to Jasmine Paolini. Um, so, yeah, so it's just really good to see Townsend playing singles, man, because obviously we know she's been doing pretty well on the doubles court um, this season. But yeah, to see her like kind of getting up there in, in the singles, it's, it's brilliant. And mm. I mean, it's not that surprising. I mean, she's got a great game. So, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not that surprised to like see her kind of challenging at the top again in terms of trying to get back into the top 100. So yeah, hopefully she makes it into the main draw. For, she's for close. Time. She's close. If she can keep on like the momentum, especially picking up wins off her, off of Jessica Pagula in Rome, she's yeah. showing that she has like a very disruptive type game, and she's not that far off from getting back in the top one hundred. So, mm. fingers crossed for her for sure. Yeah, she def- looks definitely. Even more like hungrier and like compared to like before she was on maternity leave. I feel like I don't know if it's like motherhood that just gives you this crazy drive to just you know like just just go all in so yeah i mean we might get her from osaka next year who knows you know hmm. like, <laughs> so, like i'm here i'm here for all the moms that like, pulling through like i mean <laughs> as much as people want to chat shit for example serena did like what how many grand slam finals right after she her like her maternity leave do you get what i mean like Insane, yeah. the moms the moms are killing it so it's really it's really nice um to see that especially a black woman because black women they go through so much like with pregnancies and stuff so i'm glad that she's like playing and healthy and she just 
when she's on court, it's like her face is even like hella straight. It's just like, hmm. I think being a mother, I think it gives you a certain level of, obviously gives you a certain level of purpose, but it also mm-hmm. gives you patience within that purpose. Because I can only imagine, well, mm-hmm. I I can I can't imagine I can only imagine because I'm a, I'm not a parent, but those little toddlers, especially like one two, like they do whatever <laughs> they do whatever, yeah, and you have to have the patience to be able to just true. go with it, you know, and then yeah. at the same time know that you have to go hard to uh, provide for them. So yeah. all of that wrapped up into one gives you a reason to go out there and do your thing as much as you can every day, you know. So exactly. no, definitely well said. I also, I think just before you end up well finish on the qualifying um, from a black perspective, anyway, Lauren Lauren look. Uh, that he's a French boy. Well, he's half. He's mixed race. So his dad's Congolese, and I think his mother, mother's French. Um, but he's also in the final round of qualifying. So yeah, he's won his two two rounds of matches. I think he plays an Italian in the third round. So if he wins that, he he's into the main draw. And I think again that will be his second or third appearance um, at Roland Garros. That, that title not too long ago, right? No. So that, that's a pericard. So Lacoli is a bit older, and Paracard actually got the wild card, the one you just mentioned, you uh, the guy you just brought up, and 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 so he should. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Who's the guy's name that you mentioned, Eugene? Just now. So yeah, yeah. Lacoli, Lauren Lacoli, goes to Wikipedia. Let's see. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I not seeing his name in the draw? Who does he play for a spot in the in the main? Um, so, so an Italian, I think it's Francesco. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, Caboli. Yeah, yeah. He plays. He plays an Italian, Flavio Caboli. Flavio Caboli. That's that it. Sounds yeah. like a pasta name. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> Italians. And their names are very similar as well. Locoli and Caboli. Like <laughs> some nice like alliteration. I think it's cool. I don't know. Yeah. I see. Okay, guy. I see. Got twenty-eight-year-old uh, Locoli out of France. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. I'll keep an eye on that name for sure. This is this is why I have you guys on the show because I would have. Never even like, <laughs> oh, I would have never thought that. I would have been like, how? Who, who's that? I would have seen his name and kind of just kept scrolling. But now I have a reason to kind of, you know, put an eye on him for sure. Sweet. All right. So while we are, you know, putting eyes on the guys in the qualifying, let's switch to the main draw, the WTA, the women. I think this is, <laughs> I think, honestly, um, for whatever reason, when I, when I originally woke up this morning and saw the draw, I went for the men's draws first. For whatever reason, I, no- I normally never do that. And then I went through that and was like, okay, cool. Like, I see, I see the appeal. Then I got to the women's side of the draw. And as I was doing that, I think the uh, commentator on, on Sloan Stevens' match, who's playing right now in Rabat, um, yeah. Oh wait! I completely, I completely skipped over that in my notes. I forgot to say that Sloan. Oh, this is a good segue. Sloan, <laughs> Sloan, and Alicia Parks made it to the quarters of the 250 tournament in Rabat. So good for them finding form to play before before they both get into the uh, main draw Roland Garros. But um, back to the draw. When I when I saw the women's side, I was like, oh, we lit. Like <laughs> it's 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 really lit with first round matches and just in general. I think that. Um, some really, some really good things could pop off in the women's draw for and, sure. And not, and not even just in terms of like black players, like literally, all yeah. these, like the, the women's one was looking. I was just like, all right, this is they, they went a bit too harsh for the black players still, but <laughs> controversial. My theory for those who don't know, <laughs> but my own theory, Lucy's not black spin globals. <laughs> <laughs> my theory is the draws are rigged but that's another conversation 
anytime, anytime I see Claire Lou's name and it's right next to you, we got to take you have a case because I feel like she can't, <laughs> she can't get rid of her. She can't get rid of her. Because <laughs> that, that's a potential second round, isn't it? Claire yeah, it, but yeah, again, and I yeah. think they just played the Indian Wells, and I believe yeah, yeah, yeah. they would have been they would have been playing early rounds in Miami too if Sviatek hadn't drawn uh, hadn't withdrawn from that match. And it's like, geez, like what did she do? <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like well, not even looks like it's it's confirmed. Igor Sviatek is going to be the number one seed despite pulling out um, of Rome with a little bit of an issue in her semifinal match. She comes in as a defending champion. Um, and for most people, an overwhelming uh, choice to lift the trophy again, especially considering she's won Roland Garros two out of the past three years. So she's a defending champ. And just to go down the rest of the number two, the, the top eight seeds, rather, and just kind of tell you guys, the listeners, how they're all faring. Arena Sabalenka is the number two seed. And depending on, I thought this was interesting because I don't know if I had seen more people talk about this. Tell me, you guys, if you if you've seen it. But apparently, depends on how things shake out for Sabalenka and how Iga does because she's defending so many points, being the defending champion. Sabalenka could leave the tournament world number one. Yeah, yeah, I think that's been kind of bubbling for a few weeks. To be fair, um, so and I mean, yeah, I don't know about you guys. I'm not that surprised by that because Sabalenka, she's been pretty consistent like this season. Yeah, when players are hot and like Schwantek, she's been one of those players, to her credit, again, she's been very consistent, like for a number of years now, hence why she's world number one. And I, I don't know, and again, this is my ignorance, but I know she's won the French twice. Was it back to back? It was 2020. It was 2020 and then 2022. Oh, because was it Krachikova that won in between? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so this will be the first year she does it back to back. And I mean, I guess she's everybody's favorite, but then. Well, I guess we'll come on to that later on. Um, I don't want to like maybe give away too much, but yeah. Lucy, how do you feel about like the Sabalenka Swiatek rivalry? Like, and I feel like it's fair to say that you know now, yeah, especially. No, 100%. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, I love the matches against each other, and to be honest, for a while, like I remember people literally even saying that they were bored with the fact that Ego was always winning and blah blah blah. So it's nice to actually see. Because besides Sabalenka, you can then say also Elena will definitely be another person that you can add into like those three kind of like competing and stuff or having like, or at least those two making it a bit harder for Igor compared to like other players as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, um, I'm here for it. Like I'm, I'm excited to see how, how that goes. Um, yeah. yeah. It'll be, it'll be something to keep an eye on, especially if, as, if if they both progress deeper in the tournament, that'll only just spice up the whole conversation about who's yeah. going to leave world number one. So that'll be interesting. Has Sabalenka ever been number one, ranked number one before? Mm-mm. Don't think so. so this yeah. will be the first time, right? Yeah. So that see that makes it even more exciting as well. Like yeah. There's, there's there's some of that on the men's side too that we'll get on to as far as like a, a competition for who could leave world number one. Yeah. So continue on in the top eight, Jessica Pagula. I don't know why this. I don't know why I put like the emoji okay next to her okay. name. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. You know, really? you don't even need to. I mean, put listen Pagula, man. Like, shout out to Jessica Pagula, man. <laughs> Your face. No, no, no. Shout out to her, but respectfully. Like wow. I just, I just, no, I get, I get how because. 
mama mama shows up like she's going to get hold her seating at the big tournaments it's just a little um i don't want to i guess for lack of a better term on my brain right now it's frustrating because i have seen opportunities for her to really break through and lift the trophy at the very end of the tournament and be the champion but she mm. she just rarely does that i know she has the masters 1000 or excuse me the wta 1000 in guadalajara but that tournament it seems as if it's shaking up to be like a one-time 1,000. Yeah. So it's, it, it doesn't really linger in the memory the same way, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Eugene, why you, how do you? No, listen, I, I like Baguda, man. I, I think she's just one of those players where, like, she's not, um, I don't know, she's not seen as, like, being all that exciting. So, like, you don't see the kind of, I don't know, same kind of <sighs> spectacular kind of, I don't know, I can't think of the words, but yeah, she's just basically, she's just a solid tennis player. So, and you've got to respect it. Like you said, she's consistent. Like she's number three in the world. Like that's, you know, that's no mean feat. Like she's a talented individual. Um, And I I know what you mean, Miles, about like kind of not being able to kind of get over the line, like at the crunch time, like when it comes to like semifinals, finals of the big events. But I think that kind of comes with time as well. And I think she's just... She's one of those players that if she wins the French, like it wouldn't be, maybe I don't really know what her clay court game's like, but. Her season hasn't think... been amazing so far. Like it's been kind of, you know, yeah, middle of the like, road. So, like, so, so maybe the French is a bad example. Like, so if she won the Australian Open, for instance, that would have been like, I mean, not that surprising because. You she had a chance, it. actually, because she played Azarenka in <laughs> quarters, and Azarenka hadn't been as far as that since like 2013 when she won it. Yeah. So I was kind of penciling her in, and that's part of the reason why I kind of feel a little frustrated by her. But she she does her thing week in, week out, you know? So Exactly. So I, I think she's like, she's always going to be like a sneaky outsider, like at the Grand Slams. And I think, yeah, I think if you're a player, that's kind of where you want to be if you, if you haven't won a major yet, like to be considered one of the, one of the possible winners, like you're doing something right. So, yeah. She's doing something right. I just, it always, it always makes me, like, when I see her age, I'm just like, where have you been for the past 20 years? But I mean, her, her story as a whole is, intri- is intriguing. Like, yeah. the moment you Google her name and realize where she's from and hey, who her parents are and all that. I, what, if, if, if I had her parents, I would not be paying tennis. <laughs> I'll be living my life. So I do have respect for her for actually doing her own thing and, you know, in a way, even I mean, some might say she used her privilege, but she used it really well. Like she really could have not been doing hundred percent exactly. Just be sitting down and chilling. So I think that's why, and she's very humbled with it. Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. actually even think that Pagudas come from. Yeah, like that. that that's the word I was looking for. Like humble, very understated. Yeah. So she just kind of goes under the radar. Like yeah. There's some tennis players that don't come from money. They're acting like they've been millionaires all their life. Whereas Pagudas is like been there done that and now she's just you know grinding and doing whatever like she actually cares about winning and are we, are we naming names lucy just putting putting allegations out there like that i'm joking she's <laughs> 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 been messy enough in the last 27 minutes i'm joking um but yeah shout, shout out to her man we'll see how she um how she how she performs at um, Roland You know, I actually didn't really... I guess we can look at their specific quarters of the draw as we go through the top eight seeds. I didn't think about that because we didn't do it for Spiatek or Sabalenka. But I'm glad we can do it now with Pagula because her quarter of the draw, as I was looking, actually includes a bunch of like dangerous names <laughs> that I feel like if Pagula isn't necessarily 
you know, up to speed on that day, especially considering Clay isn't like her down home, like truest love surface, you know? Mm-hmm. Why do I say down home? That's so country. Um <laughs> she op- and she and on top of all of that, her first round is a is a very dangerous opponent, Daniel Collins, you know? So crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. How is Collins not seated? Like I don't I haven't seen her name in any of the big tournaments this year, even in Clay. Yeah, like yeah, Stuttgart, I'm- Madrid, Rome, nothing. That's yeah, insane. Exactly. That is a horrible draw for Pagula. And Collins has been a quarterfinalist here, just as Pagula. Collins mm-hmm. made the quarterfinals in 2020, I believe, when it was played. Yeah. She, was that against Serena? Sometimes, sometimes she can be a bit, you know, on clay, especially at a French Open. Yeah. Well, I, I think also as well, we didn't mention Sabalenka's draw is not easy. That first round, that's a mm-hmm. bit mad. Um, yeah. Marta Kostyuk. And there's going to be a lot of tension there with the Ukrainian Belarusian god. <laughs> but. I feel like I feel like I'm um if you were to ask me to like buy or sell stock on Kostik right now, and she's probably going to make me eat all of this. And I'm <laughs> but I wouldn't I I would probably because she's been on the cusp to like be in that conversation for a while. And when I see her, I never see her name like at big tournaments either seated or seated like top. 20 you know so i'm kind of just like mm, maybe i saw too much and it was kind of more of those maybe it's a situation it'll take longer for her to really transition from that like junior to like junior slash pro to like maybe full efficient pro i feel like she's somewhere in that journey and i feel like if sabalink is well rested she should be able to take that match i feel like kostik is necessarily at that elite level yet consistently especially to hang with somebody who has been there for the past six months in sabalenka so like although on paper you like raise an eyebrow at that matchup like as much as i'm a fan of sabalenka if i was on the grounds i wouldn't necessarily write that into my oh let's go see it you know yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I, I just think, yeah, Kushchuk, she's she's got, like, the kind of... You know, with Kushchuk, I, I will always remember her against um, Osaka at the US Open. Yes, 2020, yeah. Nobody was in the States, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. And that match, I was like, who is this girl? Like, she's basically giving Osaka a lot of fire right now. Um, and since then, I was like, yeah, she's got game. But she, like you said, she hasn't kind of lived up to, I don't want to say expectations, but she hasn't reached that level that kind of people maybe expect her to reach. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but she's she's a threat, def- definitely. But I think Sabalenka will be okay. Um, but we'll see. I actually think that works out for Sabalenka. I don't know how you feel about Luce, about this, Lucy, about this concept I'm about to say. But, like, sometimes if you have somebody that makes your antenna go naturally up in the first round, it kind of sets the tone for the rest of the tournament, you know? Yeah, especially with someone like Sabalenka where, like... I feel like when she has like a tough opponent, her head is just everywhere. And that's why she makes those crazy errors that she should not be making. <laughs> so I, I do agree that having someone challenging the first round would definitely like push her um, and stuff. And at least she has a little bit more of the momentum. Like, you know, she's been doing, I mean, she reached a final um, at that Porsche one. What is it again? Stuttgart. Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That she's been doing, like, she, her season, like, so far she's been doing well. So I think having that at the first round would definitely um, give her that push. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that match, to be honest, yeah. Another one that's in this little section of Sabalenka's quarter, we were talking about momentum, and I feel like this player is had about just as much good momentum as she's had in a couple of seasons, and I'm talking about Sloane Stevens. I believe she may have even won her match today to get into the semis of Rabat. 
she did. sure did she did and she saved like it was t- it was really tight so like three sets um and then there was like a very tight like tie break like literally the last it was a tie break and she saved three match points wow um and then after that she finally won it and it was yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm making that face because I'm wondering, like, because if we know the the Grand Slam draws out, I would imagine they're like really in in the tennis world. Oh, definitely. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if they're having the conversation, like, "Oh, girl, you play Pliskova next." <laughs> like, <laughs> that's what she. That's what she plays first round. Sixteen seed Pliskova. And I wonder if I wonder if Sloane's camp is just like, "Do you want to stay in robot like a little bit? Like, do you want to get out of here and say your shoulder hurts or like?" <laughs> What do you think? What do you think is a good idea to do? Do you think she should continue, or do you think After, she should just stop? It depends. It would. I would have made the call based on how the match she played went. But since it was so grueling and she saved match points, I would lean not necessarily a hundred percent, but I would lean on being like, "Hey, let's try to get back to Paris and make good of this opportunity." Because if she beats Pliskova, she essentially becomes a sixteen seed. And they have a, a interesting head-to-head with Sloane Stevens winning 4-1. So it's like mm-hmm. certain things in that matchup make it advantageous for Sloane. And mm-hmm. although a title in Rabat would be great, she has to back up quarterfinal points from last year. So it's kind of like, you know, digesting all of that and making a good decision. To be mm, fair, when it comes to the call. French Open, Stevens just have, like, different energy and smoke. Like literally every year she might not win anything she might lose back to back right before that but there's something about that french open where when she gets there she's just like in a whole different smoke um but eugene Mm. what what do you think do you think she should stay or she should just hang out on the fence man i'm sorry because again i don't i don't want to like say what a player shouldn't should or shouldn't do but i i hear you miles like yeah and like you said that head-to-head you've got to look into it like there's reason to be hopeful even though like Pliskov is the seed um but i think yeah for, form and like momentum in tennis is so important and i think yeah like you said sloan is she's on a good run of form at the moment so i don't know if it would be a wise thing to kind of halt that but then you know what yeah if she wants to do that fair play like it would that, depend it would depend on how how far the flight is from rabat to paris i don't know that, i don't think it's that long it's north africa I was, I was just about to say this morocco to paris is is pretty quick you know okay <laughs> okay if, if she feels like she can do it i just hope they don't play in her face and give her like a sunday start because that would be no they wouldn't they wouldn't do it i was just gonna say they wouldn't do that oh yeah, she'll play. She'll listen. Never right. We never know. No, don't we never know. Don't say that. No, open. Don't say never that. Know. You never know with them peoples. <laughs> I, we, can, we, can, we can sit here and hope, but you, somebody got to play Sunday, and I just hope it's not slow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Man. Is there anybody else that you guys are looking like in this Sabalenka quarter? Oh, obviously, we, we were going down the seeds. Uh, I guess we can, we'll get back to Rabaka because I feel like she deserves a healthy chunk of conversation conversation but just in this uh quarter if the seeds were to hold it would be caroline garcia in the quarterfinal facing sabalenka and odds are that's probably not going to happen from the garcia stand front she hasn't won back-to-back matches all year on clay and she opens up against the left lefty uh wang Jinyu of china and you know i'm not i'm not banking on Gar- garcia really getting that far to be honest 
Interesting. I her home slam. Did. Yeah, I think she lost momentum after losing in Lyon to Parks. I mean... <laughs> sorry, but that's... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think after that, like, she kind of, like, it just dropped down, like, completely. But I'm still, to be honest, the way I see it is, it is what it is. At least she had, like, a great season last year, like... If you told me Garcia would be winning matches like this and titles back to back, I'll literally laugh on your face. Just be like, what are you talking about? But she did the one thing that I said so many times on the podcast. She had to get rid of her dad. And she did. And it bloody worked. Like, this is what I'm saying. Like, he was really like, he was not helping her at all. And I hope I just hope that she's not putting too much pressure on herself, type of thing, because it's like, listen, there were people like me who doubted you. And you proved us wrong a couple months ago. You're having a bad couple months. That's cool. You go back again. But um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how she uh, how she goes. Um, I just hope she doesn't think too much and put the pressure on her, especially that, like you said, Eugene's a home slam as well. So yeah, I think she's a plays well in pockets kind of player. And mm. traditionally, those pockets of form usually don't start at a slam. They start in, like, some real obscure 250, like, po in Poland or Bad Hamburg or something <laughs> like that. And then she'll, like, ride the momentum into a Grand Slam yeah. or into a bigger 1,000. And now she doesn't come in with much of that. So, and then on top of that, the pressure of it being, like you guys said, her home slam. And I, I just don't see all of that being a very good concoction for her. And then lower, mm. we were saying earlier, part of the reason she may have slowed down in momentum was because of that loss to Alicia Parks in Lyon. Yeah. Alicia Parks is in the same section that Garcia is in and opens up her tournament against Marketa yeah. Vondrusova, which is... That's, a, that's tough, yeah. yeah. That's a disgusting draw for, for Parks. But then at the same time, again, we know, we know what she's capable of. Mm -hmm. Like, so... That wouldn't be a massive shock if she was to, to put off a win there. But one thing I love about Parks, like this season, everything is literally a free hit because it's her, you know, debut. It would be a French debut for her, then Wimbledon. Like, she's just literally going to live it and enjoy it. And I hope she is doing that because, and like you alluded to earlier, Miles, like the tennis circuit, you you lose a lot of matches. Like, that's just exactly, that's just part of the game. So, but of, of course, we, we like to see Parks win. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if she does put off a win, but it's going to be tough because Von Jusevus is, is a top, top player. I don't, she's not seeded, is she? I was going to say that. Of all the unseeded players she could have gotten, she got the one that's been a finalist in yeah. Roland Garros. That's crazy. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So, And that too. I didn't even put that into, we'll take that into consideration that she's been a finalist at, at Roland Garros. So, yeah, that's a tough draw for Parks, but we're rooting for her, of course experience you know like I, I completely see that like there's another player i'm going to get to in the men's draw that i feel like this is just they're just not winging it but everything is just building a, a level of experience that they didn't have this time last year so it's kind of yeah. interesting to be on that journey with them even if it means losses and bagels yeah. or whatever <laughs> hopefully not too many bagels <laughs> which sometimes need to remember because i feel like that's the issue here it's like people are forgetting like we've said it so many times like so many of these tournaments that parks is playing is either her first time or her second or at least she never played them before like mm -hmm. it's a whole new thing but the fact that she reached the quarterfinals in morocco i think you know would definitely give her that that push as well but yeah and if it doesn't work well then girl just take your flight to the uk or burning wherever yeah. you want to go 
Take a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower. Some good croissants, some crepes. I know, I know a, a bit, a bit of background. So I know her dad's already in Paris. Oh wow! Um, he, he's, he's been there for a few days, yeah, and he's loving it. So he's just waiting for her to come, come, <laughs> come, come and join him. Um, and then, yeah, they'll be obviously getting prepared for that first round. So. But yeah, I, I think she is enjoying the experience of being on the tour, like mm. properly and like literally being at these big events. Because um, it, yeah, it's, it's just it's just great to see. So yeah, we, we wish her luck in the first round, definitely. Yeah. And and she's picking up wins outside of the indoor court. Like people were making that whole connection to her just being an indoor specialist. And it's like you know, let's <laughs> give her some time. She's twenty two exactly. years old. You know, that's that's young these days in tennis. <laughs> so Honestly. all right. Um, Elena Rabakina, let's go to her little section. Any, like, I'm still trying to walk with Elena Rabakina. I don't know how you guys feel. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm definitely not hating her, not anti her, none of those things, but I'm just, I'm feeling like I'm in the walk and trying to figure her out. And I feel like part of that is what makes her interesting. And on top of that, when you watch her play, like in between the actual point, like when the when the ball's in play, she plays like a big dog. But outside of that, as soon as the point's over with, she's she's just kind of really melancholy and even keel. But that the ball the ball off of her rackets is anything but that. But doesn't that excite you more? Like, doesn't that make you feel like you know what? This this is because it's weird. Because it's like, what are you? She it's all like intertwined. <laughs> Do you know what? if we had a lot of them, a lot of players like that, then I could understand because it's like, okay, you guys are making this boring, but she's literally the only one. Yeah. So to she, me, it kind of yeah, she's unique, definitely. Unicorn yeah. of like, you know, out all of the players. Do you get what I mean? So that's why for me, I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. It might be like a bit like, okay, this is weird, but at the same time, I, I'm someone where I'm just like, why, why are you like that? But I'm interested <laughs> at the fact that you're like that. You know? And she's, she's winning. Yeah, she's winning. She's winning to make us even have this conversation. And if you'd have told me that after Wimbledon, which I felt like, I got to be honest, like, if you, like, after Wimbledon, like the week after, it felt like flukish vibes. And even some months after that, it kind of felt flukish because oh, she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't follow up necessarily at the U.S. Open or any of the post-Wimbledon tournaments with anything great. Oh, yeah. However... We're, look where we are now. She's added another Grand Slam final to her resume and one of the biggest hard court titles and clay court titles to her resume. Bumped her up to mm-hmm. four in the world, which is great for everybody else because they don't have to worry about seeing her pre-second week playing the way she's been playing. And, yes, yeah, it's, it's crazy that she has such big titles on three different distinct surfaces in a span of, like, less than a year. Yeah. yeah no, I think that's a good point. I think that's, yeah, that's definitely something that needs to be looked at in terms of... Facts. Like you said, the credit and um, yeah, the fact that she's picked up titles on different surfaces. Like not a lot of players do that, and this quickly as well. I so that, yeah, yeah, she she she's a threat, mm-hmm. and I, I I quite like the fact that she's um, again similar to Pagula in terms of like the vibe. It's like understated, probably even more so with Rebecca because it's like yeah, people don't really know what she's about. Obviously, we, we know she's born in Russia, but rep- represents Kazakhstan. So there's like that story, um, which was really funny, like around Wimbledon time, uh, obviously obviously us being in London. But yeah, I, I think with her tennis, um, one of those players where I, if, if it's a player that I'm, I'm looking out like for to win, I don't like seeing Rebecca like in, in their section. 
So again, she's always going to be a threat. Mm-hmm. She opens up her tournament against a qualifier, lucky loser that hasn't been placed, and then the second round could be a matchup with I think still teenage. Uh, sensation, I guess, from Czech Republic, Linda Noskova, who played that really good match last year. I don't know if you guys remember against Raducanu at the French Open. Yeah. That one, that one stuck with me because that was one of the first times I'd seen Noskova play, and she's really good. So I would be interested to see what that second round match would look like for sure. Yeah, that would be interesting, definitely. In her, in that quarter of Rabakana, if the seeds hold, she would play number seven seed Ans Jabor, and. It's so interesting, Anz Jabor's season, because if you just look at the clay part, it's disappointing, but also a really high moment at the same time, because she starts it off after a very disappointing like first three months of the season, not doing anything in Australia, Indian Wells, or Miami, and anywhere, anywhere else in between. She comes to Charleston, picks up the trophy. I don't think she drops a set, and she plays magnificent shots and all that stuff. Uh, I, I believe she beat... Should be Pagula or Bench. Yeah, she'd be Benches in the final. Good, good win. Yeah. Goes to Stuttgart, plays some really good matches, gets to the semifinals, and has to retire from that calf injury. And everything else, I mean, has been spotty or she hasn't played. Like pulling out of Madrid, where she was the defending champion. Rome, she comes up against Paula Bedosa, who I don't know if you guys saw Paula Bedosa's out of this tournament too yeah. for a uh, stress fracture in her back, which is just not mm-hmm. good news to see. So mm-hmm. all of that to say is Ange has had a lot going on this season, still squeaked out a good moment in Charleston, but I don't know if that's enough for me to see her really um, doing damage. Because unfortunately, if we just look at the structure of results, she could lose to a couple of different names in or around her before she gets to the quarterfinals. Like uh, mm-hmm. Bernardo Perez in there, Donna Vekic is in there, Jasmine Paulini is in that little section. All of those could be potential um, threats as she progresses throughout the tournament. So we'll see. How do you guys? Yeah, I, I, I like I like Jabor. And I think, again, Clay is like her probably favorite surface. So, again, she's always going to be a threat um, on, on the clay. But taking into account what you said about like the lead up, it's not been ideal, even though she did win in, in Charleston, like you said. But Stuttgart putting out or withdrawing from the match it was, was it pre was that wasn't it was mid-match wasn't it was it? like it was out. like less than three games in i want to say yeah which is very unfortunate um because that had the potential to be a really good like good battle mm-hmm. um and then yeah she hasn't really been the same kind of since mm-hmm. unfortunately but i just don't know like I, I'm, I'm not one to kind of look at form too tough and like, it's similar to what you said with stevens um i think it was you lucy that said when it comes to the french like she just she turns up I think Jabor is kind of like that on clay. I know she hasn't really had the results maybe at the French Open, but I think because clay is like her stronger surface, I think she, there'll be more kind of determination to want to do well. Um, and I think that could potentially like carry her a long way. But of course, like <laughs> who knows what could happen. I feel like clay and even grass to a certain uh, degree gives her it gives her a playground to play even more in and if she's able to kind of like no pun intended just play around in those first couple of matches obviously take it seriously but I'm looking at who's in her like you know could be first second third round I see opportunity there for her to just kind of imply the fact that she's the higher seed and get some good matches underneath her belt and see what happens. Because, I, I mean, I'm rooting yeah. for Ange Jabor. I, I, th- I thought it was incredible in 2022 when she made those two Grand Slam finals. And I still believe that we live in a world where she could be a Grand Slam champion. I'm not calling it for this one, but, you know. 
No, definitely. We, we call her, we call her on the pod our North African sister. So shouts out to Ons all the time. Definitely. <laughs> She's an easy root. She's an easy person to root for, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our African sister. You said North African sister? North African, North African exactly. She's from Tunisia. Yeah. Bingo, bingo. Okay, so we can, can we switch to my African American sister? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go then, man. <laughs> what a segue. Love that. Coco Golf, the number six seed and defending runner up from last year she opens up her campaign against uh, a person she actually beat in the auckland finals the 250 final rebecca um, masarova she beat her early in auckland this year and you know if we're looking at coco's clay court season the resume of results haven't been great she hasn't picked up two back-to-back wins she's um taken some really lopsided sets I was going to say she ate some bagels, but I'm, I'm just trying to keep it nice for my girl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it just, I feel like it's just been growing pains for her. And I'm, I'm one of those people, I feel like I've said it almost every episode, every time her name comes up, that I'm just along for the ride. I'm giving her grace and realizing that she's still accomplishing quite a lot, accomplishing quite a lot in real time for her age and for her level of experience. So it's still, it's still like, you know, broader picture, a thumbs up for her. I just think in the micro picture, it's not a lot to go off of that makes me feel like she'll get all the way to a final again. But then again, last year, I don't think I had Coco even on the radar to get to the final and she did. So, yeah. Tennis is weird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lucy, I'll let, I'll, let you, I'll let you go because, yeah, I could go on for, for days about Coco. But <laughs> go on. Um, the way I, I mean, at least like, Although the singles have not been as great, or at least she's been picking it up with like the doubles. I feel like that's still like important to point out because they do help anyways with like her matches and stuff. Um, but I feel like gradually, little by little, she is getting getting there. I did think this clay season she'll be a little bit more like you know. Um, I, I didn't expect like her 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 level to be like this for the for the clay season. Like I generally thought like okay yeah she will be like going like really ham and stuff. But I'm just hoping that she doesn't go into the French Open and feeling like the pressure and everyone getting at her and stuff. And you know especially that she was the the runner up. You know I feel like once you think about those things it gets a bit scary or you know especially with someone like Coco. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a bit nervous, but I'm excited as well. I'm nervous for her too, but I also think I know the culprit for all of this problems that we're having over the past couple of weeks. And her name is Anastasia Potapova, aka oh, AKA, AKA Pots and Pans. That's probably one of my favorite <laughs> names on Twitter. I was putting her potatoes. <laughs> I don't know. Who, I don't know who nicknamed that that young woman pots and pans on Twitter. And much respect to her, but when I see that, I, I will always chuckle. Oh, um, <laughs> but she Potapova beat Coco Golf in Miami, and I remember watching that match in real time. She had her. She had like you know a fan of hers and Jimmy Butler in the stands, and she ended up losing that match from a very from a very winnable position. Only for next for the next couple of weeks for her to play again for for those two to play again in Stuttgart and I feel like it was a mixture of that match just being in Coco's head because it wasn't that many weeks that passed since it and she had a really bad day in Stuttgart against an opponent she had just beat that's all of that is stuff that kind of lingers with you then to go to a part of the season where it's like you you feel like you should be a big dog because you have like a a really good tournament on this very same surface and then for the results not to kind of click I can see how she got to a point where after she lost that match 
uh, to Buscova in Rome, she kind of just walked off the court like that was the most defeated I'd ever seen her. And I, I get it. Like, once you lay it out, I get it. But hopefully, you know, something happens sometimes when you yeah. when you get when you get back on the vibes of a place you had good results in, which is which is Paris for her. Hopefully some of that kind of magic picks up in the in the red clay or the dust for her. And we see her go far because I'm I'm looking at her draw. It's not I mean. I'm not seeing anything that jumps out. I do see the Rome finalists Annalena Kalinina, number 25 seed. That could potentially be a third round match if seeds hold. That would be interesting test. Alicia Keys, sorry. <laughs> Wait, who's Alicia Keys? Is that your nickname for Kalinina? I think she looks like Alicia Keys, Miles. Miles, Eugene has this thing where he looks at his players and then just be saying random lookalikes. Miles, okay, just I'm googling. Pause. Don't you worry. Don't, I'm I'm doing the research. <laughs> the, the Wikipedia picture is not necessarily selling it. The, the, maybe not the Wikipedia picture, but there are, there are definitely pictures out there. Of all the things I thought was going to come from this podcast, Alina Kalina looking like Alicia Keys was not. I had to get. I had to say. I'm sorry. You had to. You, you could have kept that because that that is. I'm sorry. Sorry, not sorry. There's not one lookalike that you've given us that actually is later. Okay, anyway. wait, hold up, hold but up, hold up, hold up now, hold up, because I'm looking at this picture of Alicia Keys. Miles, come on, don't do this. To me. I'm looking, I'm looking at this picture. I'm looking at this picture. It's just this one picture of Alicia Keys, and she has her hair like really pulled back into two uh, long uh, cornrows, and I don't necessarily see identical. Maybe from, Miles, what? maybe from the same tribe. <laughs> yes. What I want you to do is to see this segment right here, you need to put that clip up and show that clip oh, as you're no. talking, please. Oh, I, can, I can do that. I'm going to find the picture <laughs> in my mind is making this, this comparison work. And we're gonna we're gonna Thank we're gonna you. work on that because I see. Thank you. I mean, that's look at us look at us making better marketing for the WTA stuff than they are. This is what I'm saying. Put this out there for the followers, man. This is great content. <laughs> it's fantastic content. But um, no, that's back to Coco Golf. Sorry, guys. Um, I think everything you guys have said, I, I completely agree with. And Miles, I thought I like what you said about like being along for the ride. What one thing I will say is, I do kind of feel like these last few months, like it's it doesn't seem fun anymore. Like, it doesn't seem like she's having fun. And that, that kind of hurts me, like, as a, as a fan of Coco Golf. So I, I, I want her to get back to that kind of way of playing where it's, like, fun. Like, she's just having fun, fun out on the court. Um, and I think she will get to that point. But I also feel, feel like, and she said this in an interview with um, Tawani Carey on The Guardian, that, like, this kind of period for her now, it's like a transitional kind of phase for her. So, like, there's a lot of change in terms of her camp, for instance, like, coach. She currently doesn't have a coach. So she's looking for, she's currently interviewing coaches. Um, and, like, she's not really had been in this position before where she's kind of, obviously, her dad, Corey's there and he is her coach. But, I mean, these are, again, kind of new experiences for her as well because she's now kind of one of the players that is, like, a threat. So players kind of, you know, when they, they, they you know, when you're, at the top of the game, you're hunted. Um, I really do feel like, like you mentioned with Potapova, like she's someone that looks at Coco Goff and feels like, you know what, if I get this win over her, that's a, you know, it's a big look for mm -hmm. me. And that there's like more incentive to, to, to beat a player like Coco Goff now than there was two, three years ago. So 
yeah, I think she will get to a point where she gets more comfortable with that. But like, that's just going to take time. And like, she's <laughs> she's a kid. Like, literally, kind of like you said. But it's, it's insane weird. that she's a, or Arthur Fees is about to be the same age as Coco, and we look at them yeah, different. Ex- exactly, and that's what I'm saying. That's what you have to do sometimes. You you really have to like look at you know where are players her age, and like kind of compare them and she's literally <laughs> way way up whereas and that's no dis- disrespect to the you know her peers mm-hmm. um but yeah the, the, she's literally a, a unicorn in her own right mm-hmm. so we just need to re- really respect that um and just appreciate kind of watching her grow mm-hmm. and know that she's not going to be winning week in week out like that's just part and parcel of the sport and when she does, we don't need the bandwagon fans. We don't need it. We just yeah, bro, exactly. We just the, the, the day ones we know. We know the day ones that have been here. Exactly. <laughs> we knew. We knew. So the the only top eight seed we've yet to talk about is I don't even have a, a really a nifty segue to how to talk about Maria Sakari. So I'm just gonna put it out there. Like, how do you guys? <laughs> how do you guys feel about where Maria Sakari's game is? Because she's obviously doing well enough to be a top eight seed at a major, which is a goal for everybody. Um, but I just like seeing a trophy in her hand is nothing I go to sleep or wake up thinking about actually for that, for that matter. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Um, it's weird because I was actually like a, a big fan of Sakari. I was like, yeah, I was seeing it. And I think I kind of just. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was just that, you know what I think is because I, I just got, because I, I look at her and I look at her, like the way she plays, you know, even her, even the way she looks as an athlete, like you see her and you're thinking, oh, wow, this, this woman could be a threat. And mm-hmm. it's just like, I can't remember, I really can't remember, there was one match that she, she lost like this, this season, I, I generally can't remember, sorry guys, but. I was thinking like, bro, how yep. did we <laughs> how did we get here? And I feel like there's too many of those. But the fact that she's literally ranked in the top ten, like, I didn't even realise she was ranked in the top ten. I thought she was top twenty. And yeah, this is okay. I just well. it, it doesn't really all um, it doesn't really make sense. When you look at her, like you said, you see a fantastic athlete. And you see a fantastic athlete when you listen to her speak that knows she's a fantastic athlete because she's always like, I'm gonna make this physical. But when we get to the nitty gritty and it's time to actually make it physical, it's like all that kind of just dissipates point by point mm. by point, you know? And we're left with the same semifinal soccery. You know, that's kind of her nickname. Just have a tough first round, though. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if, and if I'm making my fantasy draw, she's not getting out of that first round. Unfortunately, wow. sorry. No, no, like, so who, who's the first oh, round? Oh, I say her name. Sorry, Mukova. <laughs> oh, Mukova. Mukova. Oh, wow. yeah, I believe Mukova has made a... Has she made a quarterfinal roll on girls? No, her best result is a third round. Her best result in singles is a third round. But great all-around yeah, player, for sure. Yeah, that's tough. And the, the, kind, of, the kind of player Sakari can definitely lose to. So we'll, mm-hmm. see, we'll see what happens. We'll see. There's other names in that section. Um, there is 12C Belinda Bencic, who basically hasn't played at all this clay season, so not really realistically expecting too much from her. And there's also uh, 2021 U.S. Open runner-up Layla Fernandez, who opens up against the 21st seed Magda Lynette. Do you guys have any thoughts or feelings about where Miss Layla Fernandez is? Yeah, she's having a difficult-ish time. I think she did reach the, was it the second or third? No. 
Did she reach the quarterfinals in? Oh, in last year's? Oh, I was going to say. No, Rabat. No, I think she, I think I think she, she lo- either lost her opening or the following match in Rabat. She, I think no, she lost to Stearns, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, so that was the second round. So, yeah, she's not had the best kind of year. But, again, she she's – I think she came, she came up at the same time as Vadakanu, didn't she, mm-hmm. the, yeah. the US Open? So, it's like if you if – you, I mean, obviously, Vadakanu is a whole different story, but – like, if you want to compare games, like, Leila Fernandez is kind of, um, I, I don't want to say surpassed Radicanu, but, like, she's shown that she's kind of, yeah, like, she's more, maybe more readily equipped, like, for the level. 100%. So, again, like, credit credit to her for that. But, again, she's quite, I don't know how old she is, but she's young. I don't she's think she's 21 yet either. Yeah, she's, she just, so, she turns 21 in September. So, yeah. She's a, she's a kid. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of growth still to be done there. So, I don't think people need to be getting too, like, worried or worked up about her results. Mm. Um, but, yeah, she, she's a tough player. Like, if, if, you, if you get her in your section or... If, and she she seeded actually. She's not. She opens up against a seed, Magda Lynette, who made the semis. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's tough. I, I don't think Lynette would be happy with that. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see though. We'll see. Rooting for her because she does have quarterfinalist points to defend, and I it, I know it would be a, a pretty uh, significant drop in the rankings if she loses first round and those points fall off. So hoping hoping the best for her for sure. Yeah. Hey guys, if you're enjoying today's episode, please take a look at the episode description, support the growth of the show by grabbing a coffee from the link, and while you're at it, be sure to engage with Tuned Into Tennis on social networks. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook is where you can find us. Leave a review if you like what you're listening to so far, and let's get back to the show. All right, so we've gone through our top eight seeds on the women's side. I think one of the... um, really overarching storylines for me is how Roland Garros is now perceived as a tournament, specifically with the women, because take away Swiatek, right? It's kind of been the tournament, of, or at least of the Grand Slams, that's been passed around the most out of the four, I believe. Because if you go back to 2017, Yelena Ostapenko, that came out of nowhere. 2018, Simona Halep wins it, but that kind of was like a very arduous journey to get there. Yeah. 20. 2019, when I wrote this down, y'all, I completely forgot that Ash Barty was a 2019 Roland Garros. <laughs> like, when did that happen? How did that happen? I'm pretty you sure she... anything with Ash Barty. Not our Ash. I kind of miss her. I gotta, I gotta say, I kind of miss her. Not necessarily as world number one, but I, I do... Like, imagine if she was the fourth wheel in the Rabakana, Swiatek, Sabalenka thing. Her game would be totally different from there, mm-hmm. you know? So... Okay. Yeah. From that perspective, we'll see. But then you, we go to Krychika, but winning it in 2021, and then everyone's ready to be like, "Oh, this is Swiatek's like back home tournament." And kind of, I feel like the narrative has kind of been shifted to the point where we forgot when she won it in 2020. That was nowhere near expected either. So that was a whole yeah. like the draw blew up moment. So I'm interested to see if 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 Swiatek doesn't win it this year, which she's the odds on favorite, and she's come, she's kind of carving out that very Justine Inna esque. This is where I perform the best, uh, best of the grand slams. Because yeah. mm. Justine Inna did something similar where she wanted three out of four years. So um, Swiatek is gunning for that that same kind of title. But if she doesn't, it goes back to being anyone's game. Like I mentioned with Ostapenko, Barty, and Krychikov and stuff like that. I think that'll be interesting to me to see. Not not to put all kind of eyes on Swiatek, but it does. It, it the moment she's out of the tournament, it will shift things for sure. 
if that happens. Yeah. No, I, I hear that. I, I, I pretty much agree, to be fair. Like, I, I think she's, like you said, everybody's favourite to win. Um, and I think if she does, and we kind of said this at the start, like, it would kind of solidify her as being, like, you know, one of the, I don't want to say all-time greats, but, yeah, one of one of the, one of the special talents in women's tennis. Yeah, it can't be too speculative, like, with these spectacular adjectives. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, she, she's, I, I think, yeah, we'll, we'll see. But I think she will probably end up winning it. Is there anybody that you give an outside shot to, to, like, literally lift the trophy? And when I, mean, when I say outside shot, I mean anybody ranked from 8 to 32, where it's like if they won it, it would it would be shocking, but it would be like you know I knew her name, you know. So who do you guys think is in that lane as an outside shot? Can I can I just say I'm going to go first, Madison Keys. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry, not sorry. Like Clay again is one of her strongest, if not her strongest surface, and I think out of all of the Grand Slams, I think obviously she did reach the U.S. Open final, um, but I think yeah, winning Roland Garros wouldn't be a massive shock. Yeah, I, I would not be surprised if, if Keys had an amazing fortnight and ended up winning winning the event. I think that'd be incredible. Yeah, interesting. She opens up against Kaya Kanepi, um, and the first seed that she meets could be Veronica Kudermatova. So, that, you know, those aren't necessarily overwhelming names that she can't, uh, I can't imagine seeing her beat. So, yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't think I would have, I don't think her name would have left out, left out to me on a page in uh, thinking about that. What about you, Lucy? Anybody you... Um, are looking to be as a, a long shot or outside shot? Maybe Kalina. Kalinina, sorry. Okay. Wait, you mean Alicia Keys? <laughs> sorry. <laughs> my guy, Miles, my guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, she's been doing pretty well this clay season. I think she's the only person that I can think of, like outside. That's like in that lower ranked seed. In that lower ranked seed, yeah, she's generally the only one. I just worry about fatigue because she looked g- gassed mm-hmm. by the time she got to that mm-hmm. final. I mean, yeah. you know, there's been she's going to have some off days, hopefully between now and has to had some between now and when mm-hmm. she plays her first match, and then coming in as like somebody that's part of the equation that's kind of new to her too. But I, I can see it. That just means mm-hmm. if she goes all the way to the title, she probably she might have to go through Coco Golf, and we're not like. <laughs> not, not advocating for that one. Not advocating for that one. I would have. What, what, what about for you? I would have chosen Paula Bedosa because she was going to be seated in the tournament, course, yeah. but she pulled out. You know, mm, you know what? I I don't know about a outside shot, like a seated, a lower seated player. But as far as unseated players that could like just like, and I, I say unseated players specifically for the women because every year since 2018, talking about it being like the most open tournament, there's been at least one unseated semifinalist every year. Like think back to mm-hmm. Trevisan last year. Before that in 2021, it was mm-hmm. Tamara Zadonchik. Where has she been? Wow, uh, yeah. 20, 2020, Podoroska. Like, you know, like there's some names where it's like they just, they just come through the, the woodworks. And if I'm looking at like the potential... Uh, part of the draw that has the most wiggle room for that. I honestly think it's Jessica Pagula's section. And there's, we didn't even mention her, or we didn't mention her at all. Mayar Sharif is in that same section. She plays, oh, wow, yeah. she plays, you know, now that I bring her up, I'm going to, I'm going to say Mayar Sharif. She plays Madison Bringle first round. And if anybody, 
like has seen her game before she made the quarterfinals of madrid and if there's anybody that's going to like really be a dog on clay it's her like she's just <laughs> she's competitive she's competitive bar none so she really could shake up some things in that part of the draw um at least in burton's but she's sweet cc the 28th and yeah i think that could be a good one also pavlyuchenkova the oh, dang i forgot pavlyuchenkova made a final here that's crazy I she, think she's also doing quite well in, in Strasbourg at the moment as well, isn't she? I think. I think she gets took an L. Good. I think she took a L, an L to Lauren Davis today. If I oh my bad, okay. She got there though. Hey, I mean, she won yeah. some matches to get there, so that's another name to look out for. But yeah, I think it it sets us up for a very interesting WTA. Like we said at the outset, like going through all of these matches and stuff. There's definitely some things that I, they make me want to sit down from the very first round and see how things play out for sure, for sure. Mm. Yeah. Okay, how do you guys feel about going towards the men's side of the draw or the men's section? Let's go. Okay, cool. Let's go through the top eight seeds and see what they're looking like. Let's start at the very top with world number one, number one seed, Carlos Alcarez, who is having arguably arguably his best start to a season. Yeah, I think it would say his best start to a season. I think he's Last picked up. He, did, he didn't do as much. I think last year he did pick up that title in Rio, and then he also... Yeah, the title in Rio. Wait, wait, I was going to say. He basically did everything he did last year, this year. Like, he won in Rio. He got to the final of Rio. Yeah, he won Barcelona and Madrid again. I don't don't think he won Rio. I think Nori beat him. Yeah, he got to the final of Rio. Yeah, yeah, And then... He did win a South American tournament. He did. Buenos Aires. Buenos Aires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, see, it's about what and what where his 2022 and 2023 is it's just that it's a different kettle of fish doing all of that as the number one player in the world mm. and this is going to be his very first time playing a grand slam as the world number one and number one seed so i think that'll be interesting for sure um mm-hmm. they haven't placed his first round wait why is my why is my draw not even showing okay there we go i was gonna say so they haven't qualified yeah they haven't yeah. placed qualifiers yet yeah. he's gonna open up against qualifier Looking at who is in his immediate section before the fourth round, he could face Lorenzo Musetti in the fourth round. Musetti opens up against uh, our good friend we're talking about at the outset of the show, uh, Mikel Emer. <laughs> that could be a good one, honestly. Like if, if, if Emer, sometimes I feel like incidents, incidents like he went through, in a weird way, you can use them to your advantage. You know, like you know, people are going to be looking at you because you know you just went viral or whatever on social media. <laughs> You're playing against somebody who you're the underdog in. Like, use, if I was this coach, I'd be telling him to use all the stuff that may be going through your mind internally or whatever and use that to give yourself the best opportunity to get a scalp over Lorenzo Musetti, for sure. That's how I'm It's a great shout. It's a great shout. Yeah. It could, it, it could happen. Musetti's good on clay, but it's not like he's some overwhelming dominant force, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then also, Cam Nori is in that section where Carlos Alcarez is. And if seeds hold all the way, that would be a fourth round matchup. So nobody has said, on paper really gives me pause for Carlos Alcarez to slip up. But then again, he did have that loss to uh, uh, Fabian Morjan in the second round of Rome. And I feel like, uh, I feel like sometimes he doesn't buckle down and just get the job done. Sometimes do y'all know what I, follow me here, right? 
you know, you feel like when you watch Shapovalov, for example, sometimes, I feel like he's just out there doing stuff just for the sake of doing it sometimes. You know, like, because you because he knows he can and because he knows... Yeah, he's just talent. He's got the talent. Just yeah. got the talent. Yeah. Let me flex it. I feel like Alcarez, although he definitely has a healthy side of getting the job done, every now and then that peaks its way through, and I'm interested to see if anybody takes advantage of that as, you know, as him being the person with the target on his back. I think that'll be interesting yeah. to see. I think it depends on the tournament. I generally think he wasn't feeling Rome. I think he wasn't mm. feeling Rome that much. And he just wasn't like, maybe his mind was already in Roland Garros. But I've, I I, don't know, his energy compared to like Barcelona, Madrid and other clay tournaments compared to Rome definitely wasn't the same. And you never know. I. I don't want to say he tanked it, but I, I want to say that he definitely, I feel like he did just did not have that much passion to win mm. or care to win compared to, I mean, both Madrid and Barcelona are from his home country. So, you know, it makes sense. And he's won it last year. So back to back and stuff like that. Rome was chaotic, so it probably was just, you know, <laughs> fans were even pissing him off at, at Rome as well. Like, there was that one clip, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, Wait, what, 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 I didn't see that. I think he was trying to get out of a car with, like, his stuff, and, like, the fans were like... Was that Rome? Really, like, yeah, they were basically... Okay. Like, I relax, 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 relax. <laughs> I generally think he wasn't really feeling the vibe, and was just like, you know what, let's just... If I lose, I lose in it. Like, what more, like... I'm going to be number one. I've won enough titles for this clay season. Let's just go get ready. for. F- That's how I saw it anyway. Like- you know, I, I hear that, Lucy. I, I definitely do hear that. Um, so, yeah. And I, I agree with you, Miles, as well, when you said about basically how, I don't know, he kind of hasn't mastered the art of the top players when they're not playing their best to kind of buckle down and you know just do what you got to do to get through even though you're not you know you know you know you're not playing at your best level but again with with Alcaraz <laughs> he can do some sensational things on the court so it's like not that shocking when you do see him pull through and like he's hit like an amazing I don't know shot between his legs or something from the baseline like <laughs> um but I I, I think there, there's going to be a lot of expectation on him at the French because obviously Rafa's not there and he is you could probably say with Medvedev but we'll talk about probably later on the most informed player on the surface this year so I mean that alone that that should really carry him pretty far but yeah we'll, we'll, we'll see I guess I'm, I'm down for the ride I feel like that's a, a, a trending conversation or a, a piece that we're having here today like I, I just I'm, I'm glad that he's kind of had his moment in the sun and it just keeps prolonging I think if, yeah. he, if he finds success here in Roland Garros that only bodes well for future success and for like the level of men's tennis right now for sure so it'll be interesting to see how he moves through the draw um Somebody I personally am not that interested to see. And how, you know what? I was going to skip Daniel Medvedev. Let, for the for the sake of where I was going with that, let's skip to number the number three seed, Novak Djokovic, who I feel like in most people's minds is the number two player for lack of there being a solid other entry for the number two player to potentially lift this trophy. And he's doing so basically on the merit of him having won Roland Garros twice before, having won Australia this year. And I'm talking about Novak Djokovic, who comes in as a number three seed. And I don't know if he's been seated that low at a Grand Slam in years. 
he's usually one or two, and I usually start the podcast talking about him and like have a deep sigh of just like that, yeah, just like that. <laughs> um, I, I don't. I, his his clay court season has just not been good. Like I'm, I'm trying to find ways to be a little a little bit more impartial, which I'm working on, but it's just not been good. It's just he's. Yeah. I think he's he's picked up. Two two wins, one win in Monte Carlo, one in um, Banja Luka, and then two more in Rome, I believe, or maybe three more in Rome. So maybe he's like five and five and three or something like that. It's average, yeah. it's very average, especially for a place like Rome where he's been to the final damn near every year to get stopped by Holger Rune is um, quite interesting. It just it just sets up the dynamic for what his French Open could possibly be like. He he plays uh, Kovacevic. Kovacevic, Alexander, Alexander uh, Kovacevic of the U.S. Actually, he looks. He was born yeah. in, the US, in the United States in New York City. Don't know much about uh, that guy, unfortunately, but it looks like a draw, even as a number three seed, that he could potentially work his way through. However, <laughs> I don't know if you guys circled this, but I mean, this is just me being outlandish, right? Like just hoping for that all the stars align. There is a wild card in that section of his draw that he could potentially face before he even gets to the fourth round, and his name is Arthur Feats. <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm if I'm setting myself up for like a real banging weekend or something in in Paris, maybe this might not even be a, a weekend match, but it could be a potential third round one. Um, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. I'd like yeah, to see what that match be, is. Because it's, it, it'd be win-win, right? Because Arthur gets to see... Can you imagine... <laughs> And you know that you know that'd be on Philippe Chatrier. Like, that'd be yeah, that'd yeah. be incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be nuts. I'd like to see it. Fees does have a very stern test though in the first round against Davidovich Fokina, twenty nineteen. Mm. Yeah. So if he gets if he gets through that, yeah, tough, tough way to open it. But if Fees if if he finds the magic, which I like I said earlier, it just seems like he has very um the, the vibe when he plays is just something different. You know when you watch somebody, because we watch tennis players day in, day out, right? All three of us, we, we, we love the sport that much. You know when you're watching somebody that just has different energy, that has a different yeah, vibe. He's special. He's special. special. He, just, he, just, he just is, and I wish, wish the best for him. And it, it'll be a wonderful just test to see where his level actually is against the best of the best if he gets a match against Novak Djokovic. David Chakina would not be liking that, seeing Arthur Feast first round. And I think with Fies as well, just not to spend too much time, we have spoken about him earlier, but I had a, an amazing stat. So he's played five ATP tour level tournaments this season, or not this season, in his career, and he's reached the quarterfinals three times mm. or better. Like, that's an incredible stat for someone literally five tournaments out of five, out of five tournaments three of them you've reached the quarterfinals or better like that's incredible and now he's a semi before you're, before you're 19 years old that's crazy <laughs> yeah. it's, it's nuts it's not so yeah very excited about after after these fingers crossed fingers crossed for sure um any you guys have any other comments about novak djokovic like where you guys feel he is i i said on our pod last time that i don't think he's gonna win I think, yeah, I think he should just get ready for Gro. I don't know. No. I, I just think with Novak, it's been a bit of a stop-start season, like with the whole US ban thing. I, I don't, that's definitely counteracted, I think, is like preparation and just flow f for this year. So I think that's why the results have been up and down. But 
I mean, he's Novak. Like, you can, you can turn it on at any point. Yeah, so he's Wimbledon's always going to be a threat. He's going to start moving mad, which I hope not. <laughs> so just be, be, be prepared. Be, beware. Yeah. Oh, well... I'm personally glad that part of the conversation is over with. So let's move on to to number two seed, Daniel Medvedev, who is, yeah, his. Lucy's fave. Is that your fave, Lucy? I have. have, (laughs) Don't be bashful. It's fine. Like, I I, I had this guilty pleasure of liking, like, Medvedev. Like, I like chaos. He's chaotic. Um, he's very entertaining. I like the way he plays personally. You know, sometimes it is a bit like, what the hell are you doing? But, um, and he's consistent. He's consistent. I like consistent players. He is consistent. He's been playing really well. Um, he proved himself that this clay season, he's not just a hard court specialist. That, you know, he's also a clay court <laughs> specialist. That, you know, he just won a clay title. Um, I'm. I, I think. I think he's definitely making it to the second week. This French Open, I believe. Um, he's looking pretty strong, pretty confident. Um, again, maybe him as well having a child has given him a boost. You know, he's he's a dad. Now. I forget yeah. that. There's actually a couple of guys on the ATP where I forget are dads. It's him, yeah. him, Zverev, and then yeah. Taylor Fritz. All have like babies Z- under five, right? Zverev is Zverev a dad. Yeah. I know Zverev is a dad. No way. Yeah. Fritz, mm-hmm. I, know Fr- I know Fritz is a dad. See? I didn't know Alexander. See how they keep it under wraps? No. See how they keep it under wraps? No, no way. There's no way Alexander Zverev has a kid. Listen, I, Mo- I knew that. Yeah, because the, the, the whole part of the scandal were a couple of years ago with Zverev was that he had one ex-girlfriend accusing him of domestic violence and another one that wanted nothing to do with their child. So he has a child. Wow. I just don't know. I don't know how much yeah. he's involved in yeah. it. Yeah, it I had no idea. Yeah. That's incredible. That one I knew, but I didn't know about Fritz. Is that with? Yeah, I know that. It's, 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 it's not with this girlfriend that influenced. No, no, no. Yeah, because he was married. I think. Oh he no, was yeah, it's, it's, it's not with it's not with yeah. the current girlfriend. I think yeah, Fritz uh, got married, had a child. I think a lot of really it was kind of yeah, uh, yeah. I think a lot of it was soaked into what. Well, well, come over to the USA. <laughs> people, people, I don't, I don't, he's not even from the South. I think it was a religious reason. Cause I was going to say for, from the South, sometimes if you get, if you get yeah, married, cult, if you get married yeah. Yeah, and, and somebody ends up pregnant, parents will be like, you got to marry her now. Like, and right. you just go with the flow. Um, and I feel like for religious reasons that happened and okay. yeah, he's a father. <laughs> okay. Fair play. Makes sense. Well, but then, either way for yeah. med, I feel like, him having that his daughter has kind of put him in like you know he's a bit i feel like he's a, obviously he still has his crazy side which i love mellowed out a bit but he mellowed out a bit but then when he wants to you know act up he does but it's so it's like it's really entertaining like even the whole hardcore especially things he's like yeah me i know yeah i'm a hardcore <laughs> like even the empire laughs at his the things that he says yeah. you know what i mean because he just talks like he's not doing he's not harming anyone he's not insulting he's just he's just you know saying dumb stuff he's like yeah you know you you're, you're a little mouse you know that he's a character but he's a character but he plays and he wins and he's i love the fact that you know before it was just hardcore hardcore but mm-hmm. it's nice seeing that he's now getting better on clay as well is that is it's a nice transition i think it's interesting though because in theory right 
all he does is stand at the back. Not, I shouldn't say all he does, but the majority of his game is baked in being way back there and retrieving balls, not missing, making it hard for your opponent. To me, that spells clay court 101. Like, and, and, and with the range he has, like he's, he's six foot six, has really long mm-hmm. arms. He, should, he, he can touch everything, but I just don't think the movement, like literally how he feels when he plants his feet is the same mm-hmm. way, but he's getting there. So yeah. if, he can co- if he can combine all of that and then have the confidence that obviously comes with picking up a Masters 1000 title on the surface and to be frank, not really having much um, on paper opposition to get him into the second week because I'm looking the highest seed in his section to stop him to get to the quarterfinals is Borna Torres, who, you know, is capable on a certain day, but Torres doesn't love the clay either. So, hey, you know, it's just... Not only only he's had a strong clay season, but he's had a strong season point Yep. There's, he was winning back to back, back to back. Mm. There's an argument, actually. There's an argument that he's having a better season than Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah, there's yeah, an yeah, argument. No, you can, you can spin it. Mm-hmm. I, I I can agree on that. Definitely, I can agree on that. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I think this is the even he has said this is the most confident he's going into this this specific Grand Slam. So I think it'll be interesting to see yeah. how his how his whole tournament fares. Hopefully, we see him around a lot longer because, you know, social media eats at everything he does. So the, the longer yeah. the longer he's there, the better tennis TV does. <laughs> 100%. He's probably the only Russian player that they don't really like, you know. Sense of, yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, definitely. Like when you think about it, and it's just mm-hmm. like, so can you imagine if, you know, the whole war thing was not happening? Like, oh, the ATP would have been bombed. Oh, <laughs> our Instagram. It's a great point, Lucy, yeah. That is, that's a really good yeah. point. Somebody that doesn't necessarily have all of the bravado and, like, entertainment surrounding him all the time is Casper Rude, number four seed. Um, and defending, runner defending, year, right, runner yeah. up last year. I, some, I completely forget that poor thing. <laughs> he just got washed in that final against a guy that had to like inject his foot twelve different times. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> uh, he also opens up against a qualifier lucky loser that hasn't quite been placed. His season has been really strange in the fact that he hasn't been able to kind of conjure up any of that confidence that saw him get to those two Grand Slam finals in 2022. Does have a title on Clay and Estoril. Didn't really beat anybody of top 30 or 40 caliber to do it. And then also was just in the semis of Rome and was eight points away from being in the final and just really collapsed and let Rune kind of waltz back into that, into that match. So... I feel like that I have two points. Respectfully, whatever <laughs> happened to Rude last year, I don't know what was in the air, but it happened in it. I don't I think he I, I think he's good, but I also think he I mean I don't I don't love this Wait. narrative. No, Lucy, you can't say that. I don't think because he ba- he backed it up. He backed it up at the US Open. I, that's what I was going to say. I don't. Saying, but that's, no, no, no. But I'm not saying just the clay season. I'm saying the whole. Oh, okay, the year. Wow, that's, that is, that's very harsh. I'm sorry. That's why I said respectfully. Just because <laughs> you know, I respect the fact that he's done what he's done to get to number four in the yeah, world. No, but I, I see what you're saying, Lucy. If you look yeah. at just the draw, if you look at the draw of what he had and specifically his biggest moments, right? Roland Garros last year in the U.S. Open, he was facing. I think he faced Karen Hatchinoff in the semifinals of the U.S. Open, and then he, yeah. in the semifinals of the French, he played Marin Chilich, and he was a first-time semifinalist in both of those events. And it's like, 
that's not necessarily the highest of the highest caliber. Respect to those semifinals. This is so rad. No, I, I hear you. His, his run wasn't great. I mean, his, his run wasn't, it wasn't full of the elite of the elite where he just had to climb through and go on a, like a stretch like Layla Fernandez did, you know? Exactly, yeah. Which goes to my second point, which is I feel like once he plays even a player like you have the big players and you have the players who are kind of like big and getting there and i feel like we're rude once he gets even just those ones he's still like he's still a bit that's kind of how he looks on the court too he just looks very he just he literally he looks lost you don't go in on casper shout out to him yeah but i think once he will be able to tackle tough play like tougher players He'll he'll probably be clear, but I, I, right now I just feel like I don't know. I just feel like once he once he gets like higher ranked players or you know like just getting players that are a bit, mm, I think he's a bit lost. Maybe he's just, just a bit nervous. He doesn't know what to do. But well, what, 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 one thing I will say though, and this is like this isn't the first time I'm hearing this from like tennis people. So like I've I've, I've got I'm not going to name his name, but he's a tennis he's a journal, he's, he's a sports journalist, and he says it's not Tamani Gabriel, by the way. Um, and he <laughs> says the same thing about Cas. He says the same thing about Kasparud about like how how could someone like that be number four in the world? Bro. And I'm like, what what are you talking about? Like he was like, you, you, the, the, like his game is so basic. Like he doesn't really do much. Like he's got no real weapons. I was like. Like what are you saying? But it's like the it's the same. I'm getting that same kind of vibe from you two here. So that must be a general kind of feeling, like amongst the wider, I guess, tennis watching public. Um, I I think, like, me personally, I think that's quite harsh. But I mean, yeah, clearly there's something in there like that makes people feel that way. But I don't know, man. I I think yeah, if you reach Grand Slam finals, like you've got something about you. So <laughs> he has something special. He's a ghost in the night, and he's gonna pick up them them ATP two fifty titles. He will. <laughs> <laughs> he's like Nick Curios. Damn. <laughs> Wait, I sound like Nick Curios. Oh God, let me take everything I said. <laughs> no, but I'm just saying the beef. The beef they had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beef they had like yeah. a couple of years ago. They had yeah, some. Yeah. They had some very strong Twitter fingers a couple uh, couple mm. years ago. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at Casper Rude's draw, and like the fact that he could beat all of these players and also lose to all of these players is kind of the reason we're having this conversation. Like This is literally it. <laughs> the, the number 25 seed, yeah. Botic Van de Santeloup, beat him in Miami. Jan Lennerstroop is also in this section that could be a potential fourth round, beat him in Monte Carlo. Like, I, I, I didn't check the score, but before I got up to my little makeshift studio to talk to you guys, I think Casper was playing Nicholas Jari of Chile in Geneva. Oh, in Geneva. And if, I check, yeah. if I check those scores right now, Casper Rude lost, it's a wrap for this conversation. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Let me quickly see if he won this match or not. Oh, he lost. No. <laughs> He lost to Nicholas Jerry. See, that's what I'm saying, man. <laughs> I'm gonna say that that was a that was a strategic loss because the French Open's around the corner, so he knows what he's doing. Is it because he's a two time winner in Geneva, and Geneva's <laughs> always the week before the French Open? <laughs> man, I'm sorry, Casper. This was not supposed to be a segment where we track you through the mud. <laughs> Jeez, crazy. But I, and I didn't even know he had lost that match. But I'm, I'm literally the 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 names are right there of who he's lost. That is mad. And yeah, three of Three of them are in that section now, so I don't, yeah. I, <laughs> we'll see. 
we'll see. Tommy Paul is in that section too, and he hasn't been having a great specific clay court season. So yeah, that whole section from top to bottom, Casper Ruiz quarter, if there's going to be like a surprise semifinalist like we've talked about on the women's side, it's likely going to come from that section because, mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Sorry, Casper. I hope he never listens to that. And <laughs> <laughs> Like, damn, tune the tennis is not where I need to go. <laughs> All right. Let's let's try to be a little brighter for the, the Greek god himself, Stefano Sitsipas, if we can, because everything is not every, every, everything's not hunky dory over there either. <laughs> he opens up against Yuri Vesely, who's using a protected ranking and somebody I haven't heard about in, uh, since he beat Novak Djokovic that one time. Um but yeah, that's who op- opens up against Stefano Sitsipas, number five seed, who's had a you know, a run-of-the-mill, like, elite player kind of season, but nothing that really sticks out. I think he made the quarterfinals in quarterfinals in Madrid, losing to uh, the finalist, Jan Leonard Struff. Quarterfinals again in Rome, losing to eventual champion, Daniel Medvedev. Um, I don't remember who he lost to in Monte Carlo, but he didn't win any of those tournaments and needed to get to the finals, so it's very run-of-the-mill. The, yeah, he did win. Monte Carlo. Yeah. He won Monte Carlo, yeah. Yeah, that's so, it, yeah. And he's been to the final here, too, in 2021, and I feel like that gets kind of lost in the sauce, especially considering he was two sets up to love against Novak Djokovic in that final. Mm-hmm. So He's reached, like, quite quite far in, in the, at the French Open, like, before. Um, so even that, I think before that, like, he's, I feel like his performing French Open is, like, is, is, is doable. Um, and plus, um you know, recently he just announced that he, one of his coach, like his coaches are like, is not working one of his coaches or something like that. Yeah, uh, Mark Philippoussis. The one person you're supposed to be getting rid of is your mom and dad. (laughs) Get them people off. They are the one that's really disrupting you, especially your dad. You really stop coming for people's parents, Lucy, man. You need to chill. You know, I need to chill. I'm not even a parent myself. I just think it's, I think it's an interesting dynamic because the person we just talked about, Casper Ruud, his dad is in his corner, but his dad is a former ATP professional and is not. He's he's in he's in the picture, but he's not the main character. Whereas I feel like Stefano Sissipas, there's an argument that Sissipas' dad is too much into the whole dynamic of the picture. Yeah. Is he's not just kind of over his shoulder? He's like really domineering, and I feel like that plays in Sissipas' mind in the very tightest moments of matches. And I feel like he's good enough. He's he's damn good enough to kind of get to the moments where that doesn't really have to affect him as much. But the moment he's in a tight battle when he's looking over to his camp, as you should. In tight moments because they're they're your camp he's not getting the right kind of energy yeah listen how old is how old is sissy pass now sissy pass is going to be he's going to be he's going to be 25 in august i'm going to be 30 in july if i asked my 25 year old self if i wanted to be traveling the road with my mother or father it would be a hard no and i love them i love them dearly It'd be a hard no. Like travel the world with them, like in my camp every single day. No, no. <laughs> I, I don't like, care how I successful like, you are. I feel like I feel like with some it works well. We've seen it. Yes, with, fair. Mm-hmm. With um, the Williams sisters, we've seen it with Coco and her dad. Now you know, or when Alicia Parks when her dad joins and stuff like the. But with Sisipas' dad is just a whole different level it kind of gives me like he's the, like he wants to be like he's trying, he's trying to live through him and it's like this is your son's moment 
and let him just, you know, like help out, but don't be too, I don't know. Or maybe he needs to do like, like Richard and just maybe just leave whenever his, you know, when they're about to play, just do not be there. And, and, and that's it. But I don't know, man. I, I think, I think he's going to make it to at least a second week. Um, since it passed, like at the French Open, but I don't. His draw is kind enough to do that. I mean, but again, he's not necessarily in the same boat as Casparu. Like he can lose to just about anybody because some of these names I see he should have a good handle on. Like uh, Zapata Morales, number 32 seed, is who he's projected to play in the third round. Sebastian Corda's in there, and then another person. I don't know how much length you guys want to talk about our good old brother, uh, our French-Canadian brother, Mr. Felix Auger-Aliassime, but he's in this section. That could be a fourth-round match. And, um, yeah, I mean, as far as Sissipas goes, before we even go to Felix, I, he's he's a part of that, like, um, unofficial third henchman conversation of the, yeah, of the French yeah. Open with him, Medvedev, and a guy we'll get on to talk to, I'm sure, and Holger Rune. Like, all three of them have a very healthy uh argument to be right behind Alcarez and Djokovic so mm-hmm. I, I expect him to do well but I also would not be shocked if he comes up short against anybody to be honest yeah that's the thing you just yeah, know no, I think Sitsipas yeah I think he's always a threat Sitsipas I mean Clay again too like he's a former finalist at Roland Garros mm-hmm. so yeah, exactly. he knows what he's doing like in, in, in Paris um, but yeah like, Lucy you make good points about his parents particularly his dad and maybe that kind of does need to be looked at in terms of like if that's working and if that how sustainable that's going to be like long term mm-hmm. um because it doesn't look like yeah it, it's i don't know it's it's doesn't look like a healthy kind of relationship yeah. to be completely honest that's um true. but listen we we're just literally eyes like watching from afar like we don't know yeah. you know the, the the ins and outs of like the the relationship like from behind closed doors so mm-hmm. yeah but we'll we'll see with Sitsipas definitely you said you said Sissipas has it figured out on clay, right? Do you think Felix Auger Aliassime has it figured out on any surface? <laughs> <sighs> this season, definitely not. Yeah. Um, although in saying that, he did win. Well, he won one match uh, in Lyon. He did yes. pull out against Arthur Feast, mm-hmm. um, the quarterfinal. But yeah, <sighs> with, with, with Felix, it's like it's a frustration kind of watching him sometimes because it's like you expect more than than you get. Um, but again, with him, he's what, 21, 22 now as well? Like, still quite young, I'm sorry. And also, for me anyway, like, he's shown he's got the game to kind of be a threat on all surfaces. So I look at that and think, yeah, there's scope there to do well. Um, and kind of similar to like how, and I know we haven't got to that point yet, but how I said Madison Keys is like a sleeper. Like in 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 at the French Open, like I feel Felix is in that kind of, even though he's top ten, mm-hmm. um, but the form hasn't been there well this season, pretty much. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does put put together some nice wins. Like he got to the fourth round last year. Wasn't he did. Against played a really great Rafa? match against Rafa. Yeah, in fight took him to five. Only had to take Rafa to five sets. Yeah, yeah that was Rafa's like, toughest match that entire. Exact exactly. So the game's definitely there. Um, but I, I do 
want to see it like at a Grand Slam. Like I'm, I'm, I'm itching to see it at a Grand Slam. It's been a minute at a Grand Slam. It's, yeah. At, at one point, the Grand Slam results were the shape, were the saving exactly. grace. It was the quarters, the semis, and stuff like that. Now, for the past maybe three or four, it hasn't been great. And he opens up this yeah. one against Fabio Fognini in the first round, which is tough in its own right because you know. Fagnini will get a crowd behind him and just kind of make things scrappy if he if he even feels like it on the day. But the only thing, if, if I was in Felix's camp, right? I know you mentioned his age, Eugene, which is a good thing. I, I think it helps keeps thing in, it keeps things in perspective. Like he has way more in front of him than he has behind him. Uh, hopefully with help and stuff, you know. But if I'm just looking at my uh, my peers and those around me, there's three names that have kind of surpassed me in the conversation that are in my age range or younger. And that's Alcarez, Rune, and Sinner. All of them have bigger titles and moments than I do. And I don't know if that is necessarily even in his scope of like, you know, taking in what's going on in his tennis. Would you put Sinner in that? I wouldn't put Sinner there. I'd put, if I'd be I'd like, say like this, if, I'd be more surprised if Felix was holding a, a Grand Slam trophy than if Sinner was at this moment. Wow. Okay. As much as I love Felix, I'd be more surprised yeah. if Felix was winning it because it's just he, he he just hasn't shown even the level of consistency that those other three have had. Like over the only the only uh, time of consistency Felix has shown it was at the tail end of last year in October, and that was like to the utmost consistency. Back to back to back to yeah. back to back. Yeah, 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 but yeah, it's yeah. like it's almost no middle ground. Like we don't we don't have to see you winning every single title, but <laughs> like you go from that to not being able to string together two victories is a very up and down, you know, EKG kind of thing. So yeah. I would use that to my advantage. I don't know if he's the kind of person to like want to use, uh, like have a rivalry to like really give him fuel. Because it seems like the one, the one he has that's so lopsided with Medvedev, that kind of frustrates him. And you can tell it yeah. frustrates him. And I don't know if telling him, like, hey, you see Sinner and Rune and Alcaraz passing you up, right? I don't know if that would kind of put fire underneath his butt. I would tell him. I'd be like, hey, these guys are they're getting more airtime than you, buddy, and you are just as good as them. So tighten up. That's what I would say. Respectfully. I, I, I think they probably even tell him that anyways. But it's just... You know, there's just some of the moments and I do think sometimes things just get tougher draws or like this, like, you know, something that is just pops up. But like, for instance, last year with the whole Tony Nadal refusing to kind of basically help Felix in that situation. Like, do you get what I mean? Like stuff like that. Like, it's just, he's just sometimes in unfortunate positions. And I think personally, I think if this year, if you know he wasn't stuck with the injuries and stuff this clay season i think he would have had a better clay season for sure and i think he would have felt more confident going into the french open but i'm not i'm not gonna surprisingly because since i'm a tough person i'm not really (laughs) going to like I, I think he can still do well. I think he can surprise us, this this, this friend, because I think he might be, despite how he plays at times, I think he's a player that gets really hungry. And I think because he missed out on so much, unfortunately, due to, you know, injuries and whatnot, him having to pull out, I think he will be willing to go hard this French Open. If he doesn't, I think it will be mainly 
he might have to pull out again because like you said he just pulled out of Lyon or maybe he just did it to rest his body I don't think he wanted to, to smoke with Arthur Fees yet I don't think he's going for it <laughs> and I don't blame him I don't blame him I really don't because he if no comment <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying Arthur was going to beat him I just knew I feel like he knew Arthur was going to be up and alert for that match because yeah I mean he's playing he's playing in France he, yep he's been up, up. a lot of eyes on that match wow. definitely yep. yeah yeah, yeah. We, I mean everyone was looking for him. <laughs> right Right, right, right. Oh, yeah, shit. I said yes. I put a star on it on my little my little app. I was like, "Ooh, remind me when this starts." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he was like, I, "Listen, the French Open starts this week, literally Sunday. I'll we'll meet again, buddy. We'll meet again, which is fine. I feel like that's that's smart scheduling, and hopefully, it's more of that of what we just talked about than the actual exactly. shoulder issue. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm leaning more towards that for sure. Um, okay, a good segue into somebody who has like you know questions surrounding their health and stamina is number six seed Holger Rune. And this is the first time he's been as high of a seed as he has at a Grand Slam. He opens up, unfortunately, I hate that the draw guys did this, but he opens up against Chris Eubanks, who's having the best season of his career, reaching reaching number 75 on the rankings, I think is his new career high. So how do you you guys have strong feelings either way against Holger Rune? I'm I'm a fan. I do like Rune. I I know he's controversial and like kind of stuff he's kind of been through. I say been through. controversial kind of things he's done mm-hmm. but again he's he's young kind of learning on the job um but i think yeah he's a real talent and like it's nice how the kind of wins now are backing up the talent um and i think just to quickly go back to felix i think if felix played him in paris i believe i think it was a semi-final in paris mm-hmm. um the paris masters and i thought that match there was like a, a massive kind of turning point um for for runo because obviously he did Gone to, to win that, he beat Novak in the final, um, and I think that's kind of set him up now to to really believe that he's capable of beating the, you know the, the best guys, um, and he is literally a threat at all of the, the big events. Mm-hmm. So again, he he's someone that I look at now and think, yeah, this guy he could he could win multiple Grand Slams, and I, I think I think he will do that. It'll be nice to see. I think he has the, for now, because I feel like I may have said this before, like if I had a podcast back in 2007, 2008, I feel like I would have said very similar things about Novak Djokovic. Like (laughs) there had been moments where his sportsmanship was called into question and there was questions about his physicality. Could he last the longest in best of five set matches? And he eventually put some of that stuff to rest, but he also whether it's it's debatable whether he leaned into it or not or if the media kind of shifted the narrative he is the he or he became the of the big three the one that was the most controversial right and i feel like holger rude is on a similar not not direct but a similar path where it's like if it were if the big three actually ended up being alcarez center and rune as it stands right now, Rune would be the one with a little bit more salt and pepper in his soup, you know? <laughs> He'd be a little more spicy. So, we'll, I mean, we'll see. I, I do like his game, though. Just bare-bones tennis. He's a he's a pretty good watch, for sure. And mm. as far as seeds go, he could face number nine seed, Taylor Fritz, the, the guy that we uh, said as a, a father earlier <laughs> in the fourth round. That could be interesting. And then uh, further than that, it could be a rematch of last year's quarterfinal uh, with Casper Rude versus Holger Rune, and that one got a little spicy towards oh, the end. Yeah, Scandinavian rivalry there. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so let's let's see if we can close out the men's draw with. Uh, 
I feel bad because I don't want to completely skip over Rublev. I feel like because I'm even questioning, he's going to win the whole tournament. But he's the number seven seed. Uh, he did not, win. He did. He did win. He won Monte Carlo. Which, he won Monte Carlo, which feels like a smooth two months ago at this point. Honestly, <laughs> his first Masters event as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That was his first Masters Long win. Long overdue. To be Long overdue. It was. It was an arduous journey to even get over the line in that final. But I'm glad I put my eyes on his section of the draw because I didn't want to end the conversation about the men's draw without talking about Ben Shelton. Oh, um, what a guy! Yeah, athlete and an athlete. He just posted a clip. Like literally, I saw it earlier this morning. I posted. He posted a clip, or maybe it was in his story. You know, how somebody's like, if you see a shot, take a shot, kind of person. No, <laughs> his his like little thing was see a dunk, like on a basketball court. See a dunk, take a dunk. His dunk looked like legit. Like, it looked yeah, like he does it all the time. He just looks like a multi-sport athlete. Sure. Just, athlete. Yeah, an athlete, and I mm-hmm. love that about him. And I, similar to what we were saying about Alicia Parks earlier in the show, this is literally not even just on clay. This is his first go-around of having all of these cities underneath his belt, all of that all of that experience. And, you know, admittedly, his his clay court results haven't been great, but he's also been getting some pretty tough draws. Like, he's lost to some some really strong opponents, and he hasn't been kind of just getting swept off the court. He's been in every single match, and to be honest, I think that's even better. Like, if if, if you can take something out of the losses, they, they're not great. Nobody wants to experience them, but he's really testing himself up against the, the best, and hopefully that, yeah. that yields good dividends in the long run. No, massive. I, I again completely agree because that's the same thing I say on, on our pod as well. Like the fact that he's seeded at these events, like he's also kind of like a victim of his own success because, yeah, like he's done so well. He had an amazing like season last year, which is why I say season. Also, this year he did do well at the uh, Australian Open, but yeah, yeah, he's been able to kind of consolidate in terms of yeah be seated at these events but then that also means he's getting like first round buys which isn't always the best thing because you need matches to kind of play yourself into form and the fact that like like you get someone in the second round maybe someone who's played two or three matches before that they're like bang on form like they've got some kind of momentum behind them whereas he doesn't so i think that kind of has had an effect on him this year but yeah, he's just such an exciting player to watch. And I think he's going to be someone that we're going to be talking a lot about like in the future. So very excited to see Ben Shelton. I'm, I know if you're on running, I'm sure they're happy about this conversation we're having. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Putting him on the map. Every time I see him, I'm like, oh, that's a nice outfit, guy. Like, where'd you get that? Yeah. Him and Sean, they're the only tennis players, aren't they? I didn't mention Sweet Take for a reason. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Earth is cool, but I'm not like I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the same visceral reaction. <laughs> Sorry. Fair play. Fair play. Okay, so I feel like that it, that's our top eight seeds for the men's side. Similar to how we did on the women's side, uh, I would like for you guys to pick an outside shot or somebody that's you know, like as a low seated player or even unseated player. We can kind of mesh the, mesh the two categories of outside shot and underdog of who you see really? who you see going deep. That's kind of unexpected. Do you want me to go first, DC? Because I, I went first with the women. <laughs> I like how you're analyzing it in real time. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> or host can go first while Lucy still. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Yeah, sure. I'll go first. Sure, I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll plant the seed. I picked Karen Hatchinoff. 
and mostly because I looked at the results. It wasn't necessarily his um, his form coming in, which hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't been anything to write home about either. But he's been a quarterfinalist in, in the French Open before, and he's coming off two back-to-back Grand Slam semifinalists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I feel like I don't even know where, what his draw looks like. Uh, maybe I should look at that before I solidify that pick. <laughs> oh, he's in, the, he, no, he, he's in the same section and could face Rublev in the fourth round if seeds hold. So, yeah. He's definitely a Grand Slam like player. Mm-hmm. Like he brings it for the Grand Slams. You have to respect that definitely. Mm. You, you still looking or? I, I don't think because all of the people that I'm thinking of are literally top. Just say, just say somebody you've maybe not mentioned. Well, the top players like I think either Medvedev or Alcaraz. Okay. Those are the two. So there's no one else outside of that too. You don't think there's anybody that's like lurking, like let me make some noise at this French Open, especially because Rafa's not here. You know, I feel like that opens up some shoulders either consciously or subconsciously. My point still stands. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, you know where I'm going. I know. Always going to stay on brand. <laughs> Who are you going with? I'm going with Francis. I knew. Yeah, he already has. He already, he already has a, a clay court. That's my thing. So you, Francis. Sorry. What's that, sorry? I feel like France is going to make it to the second week. That's my take on France's. Yeah, I, I, I'm quietly optimistic about France's TFO because, yeah, like I said, he's got the event, well, he's second um, ATP Tour title uh, this year on clay, and that was in the States. And again, he's one of those players. He's just got that all-court game. Um, and I think now there's more kind of... Um, you know, excitement around his name because of what he did at the US Open. So, like, the French crowd, they're going to love him. Like, and I know he's already there as well. Like, he's been practicing with, like, Madison Keys, and there's been some nice pictures, like, people lapping it up. Um, but one thing with Francis now, and we've said this before on our pod with you, uh, Miles, like, he's now living up to the expectation of kind of where he's expected to, to kind of progress at these events, like he's he's doing it. So the results are now doing the talking, whereas before it was like, oh, like he's got all the talent, like, but when are the results going to start to come? And I think that's now happening with him. So for me, he's an, he's an outside favourite for the French Open. And I, I know there are some guys playing unbelievable tennis. We've mentioned Holgerun, uh, Alcaraz, Medvedev. But yeah, TFO has the game to upset all of those guys, in my opinion. I, I see what you're putting down. I, I, I feel like if I'm looking at it objectively, I wouldn't necessarily say Clay is going to be where he has his uh, more, his most fortune, but he has put together some good wins on Clay this season, and his draw isn't terrible. The way Zverev has been playing, that could be a potential third round, and if Tiafo gets hot, has the energy on the day, uses the crowd with him, if he gets to that matchup, I'd like his chances, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah, he's never he's never been beyond the second round of the. Yeah, first. I was gonna say Paris isn't probably his favorite. <laughs> but if, if he's gonna if he's gonna go far, I mean, maybe I've said this before on different podcasts. If he's gonna go far, I feel like this is an opportunity, especially off the heels of how everything happened in Rome and how he was just 
blatantly giving the short end of the stick. And mm-hmm. man, they had my guy. He really he was that pissed off. I don't know if he had planned the trip to Tunisia in between Rome and France and France, but it really felt like he called up Ange the boy and was like, "Girl, they got me messed up over here. Like, can I come? <laughs> can I come chill with you for a little bit, please?" <laughs> I can't blame him. I really can't blame him. He needed it. It looked, it looked like he needed it because I would have been pissed too if they made me play in the rain like that for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. And unfair, but, you know, we move with it. And then one thing I wanted to say before we wrap up the men, um, I, I believe now the the entire bottom half of the men's field is completely void of a former champion with the way the seeds have taken with Novak being out of the top two. And the only men in the bottom half who have even been to a semifinal or better are Rude Zverev team. And... I don't know if I don't know if you guys have the show notes up, but do you guys know who else is in the bottom half of the draw? We haven't talked about him at all. That's a former semifinalist. He's you know he's he's black spin. <laughs> oh, Gail. Bingo, Gail Monfi. Wow, yeah. wow. Two thousand eight. He made the semi. Yeah, that's yeah, that's mad. Yeah, but again, I think that that just shows like this is a massive opportunity mm-hmm. for. Uh, yeah these guys that we've mentioned like to you know it's kind of wide open and probably the most wide open it's ever been in a long long time with Rafa not being there so and also Novak not playing his best tennis at the moment Mm -hmm. so massive opportunity for someone to come and yeah take take that slam I would I would mind a little Gaston Gaudio 2004 action Would not Best on Gaudio, yeah, wow. make it make us make us make it memorable. Make it be like, oh, where did that come from? Because that doesn't happen mm. all the time on the men's side where you a, a champions lift up the trophy and you're like, how did this happen? It usually makes sense in the grand scheme of things. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a good shout. I also want to shout out Michael Mo as well. So he's in the draw. He's which is a tough as well. Fritz, yeah, Taylor Fritz. Mm-hmm. It's a horrible draw for both, I'd say, to be fair. But then obviously Mo hasn't played since was it Mexico? Yeah, I think, I think it was Acapulco. I remember seeing yeah. him pull up, just kind of uh, limp exactly. in that match, and he hasn't played since, yeah. So that's, that's. I mean, obviously he's working his way back, but it's good to see him in the main draw. Like, again, after the, the Australian Open he had, um, beating Stash of the I can't even say his name. Alexander. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, father. Um, yeah, like, Mo, hopefully he can play himself into form like for the glass hopefully as well so i'm not really expecting too much from him at rodan gauss obviously this is his first appearance since like we said acapulco but yeah hopefully we, we see him now for the rest of the season and there's no more injuries so as we wrap up i just want uh you guys i, I really one i've said it already that i really appreciate you guys' platform and taking the time to come on to my show because it's been a, a collaboration i've wanted to have for a long time but for the listeners that have, that have hung with us throughout this conversation, I want uh, them to leave knowing more about what the mission of Black Spin uh, Global is. And I guess a little bit, if you guys feel like it, like, because I don't think I know, like, any anecdotes of how it started and then how we got to where the new digs are in the studio on YouTube. Like, it matters, though. It matters. That, I mean, I, I'm yeah. you guys got really good engagement. I mean, I enjoyed it. So I'm sure other people did, too. No, I appreciate that, Mars. We really do. Um, but yeah, like we, so I started the platform in 2019, and it was literally just a social media platform um, on Twitter and Instagram. And I did have the idea to like, yeah, start a podcast, but 
I'm not like, and people probably are aware, are aware of this by now. Like, I'm not the biggest talker, <laughs> believe it or not. Like, so I don't really enjoy like talking. Um, so I was like, there's no way I'm doing this on my own. I need to find someone to do it with. And it just happened that Lucy was a follower, like on on social media, and I noticed that like she was liking a lot of the posts, and, like sharing to her her personal story, and like it just really like s- struck me because. Yeah, it was like this person, she gets it. Like, and I was like, you know what? Let me like reach out to her and see if she'll be like down to do a pod um, with me. And I think we went for, was it a coffee? Costa? Costa coffee, I think it was. Well, before that, I actually thought Eugene was based in America. So when he actually messaged me, (laughs) obviously, I don't personally know anyone that watches tennis. At that time, I didn't know anyone that watched tennis like religiously in the uk like that so because he was because i will stay up watching matches and then i'll open instagram and i'll see that he posted stuff I, I was thinking oh yeah he's in america so when he like reached out to me i was like yeah that's cool and all but i'm in london he was like <laughs> i was like oh okay <laughs> and then yeah, we did meet at the coffee shop yeah and that was in 2020 like early early 2020 mm-hmm. um and then obviously that was the year, the whole bloody pandemic. So I think the plan was like, we did like a practice like episode in like February, I think it was. Um, and then, yeah, the pandemic hits in like late Feb, early March. And then we just, we just said, you know what? We might as well just, yeah, we, we've started. So we might as well like carry on. Yeah, yeah. Um, and literally we just carried on through the pandemic, literally doing these like video or zoom type style uh, podcasts and literally it's just kind of i don't want to say like blown up since because like we're still growing but it's been it's been a steady steady growth and what, what i love about it the fact that like we are like not recognized but like acknowledged by the players we celebrate like for me that means so much and like that that's not the reason why like i started the platform but it's kind of it reinforces like what we're doing it matters because the players like, yeah, they, they reach out to us like in the DMS um, and like, not just the players, like people associated with the players, like family members and like that, that stuff really does. It means a lot. Mm -hmm. So, and also, yeah, we are now becoming more, I guess you can argue like recognized, like in a tennis media space as well, which is also a very nice feeling. But I mean, my, my background, I am a, a sports journalist. Like, so, for me, it's like I, I've expected this to happen, if that makes sense. Whereas for Lucy, she's like into marketing, hence why I like. That's a great meeting of the minds, actually. It, 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 really, it really is, exactly. Hence why, and, and she's not just a great marketer, like she edits the whole podcast. Like, and with, with, with that as well, that means so much to me because I can just leave her and sh- she knows what she's doing. Like, I don't need to like direct her or like, you, you know, guide her in any way. Like, she's brilliant at what she does. So I'm very, very grateful to like have not just a co-host, but like an amazing producer as well. So yeah, I don't know if you want to add anything else, Lucy. Yeah, like I do have to say, Miles, the first time he did ask me to do the pod, I was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) But it was mainly because I was nervous. I genuinely thought like, I was like, 
no, 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 no. Like for me, I felt like I had to be like a professional, and you know, and it's so funny because our pod now is literally everything but professional. Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, steady on, I mean, I try and keep it professional. Trust, I try. Me. Like, Trust me, I understand. <laughs> I, I overstand. <laughs> but it makes it fun, you know. It yeah. Makes it fun. It makes it engaging, and you know. Um, but what I love the most about our platform I'll say more about like Eugene and I is that it's crazy how we were complete strangers and we've literally like been able to build this but it just shows you how that only happened because we saw the bigger picture and we were on the same page on where we want things to go um but yeah honestly it's been an amazing journey I think in addition to the players knowing about the play about about our platform but also the listeners as well and people mm. in the industry like you know we're, we're getting like it's, it's it's really fun honestly it, it makes it enjoyable as well it makes it more enjoyable to follow it has its challenges i feel like you know before i used to watch tennis match and just watch it now when I watch a tennis match, i'm thinking of the podcast I'm writing notes i'm thinking of you know i literally have to now i literally have like a whole folder in my notes <laughs> yeah it happened this happened oh this shot this that um but yeah it's is i never in a million years did i i never ever ever thought like into fact like if you told me i'd be like yeah having a tennis podcast and talking about tennis and you know like even guests podding here i'll be like that's not what i'm doing so it's been it's been fun honestly it's been it's been that's the thing about it as well is is we're making history but it's also fun as well so i think that's the beautiful thing and just like from listening to both of you guys is like play out your stories with black spin global I'm glad that you started it in spite of like thinking that it wasn't going to be a thing. Cause I relate to that so much. Just mm-hmm. when I started mine in 2020, I was like, who's, who's going to listen to me talk about tennis? Like I mm-hmm. understand what you were saying about like, you don't feel like anybody watches tennis as religiously as you do, but mm-hmm. with your platform, you guys inspire me in my, in, in your own way to do what I do. And look at us now. Like we're talking to people that watch, <laughs> like we're talking to, yeah, we're talking yeah. to each other and people are looking at us. Like, what did you guys think about that? And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's just crazy how all of that started. And we don't necessarily have to be professional from the top to the bottom in every single way. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, we don't have to have like PR teams and managers and stuff. Hopefully we get that. I mean, the sky, the sky is the limit in in years, years from now, we're the playmakers in the space of tennis media. That'd be beautiful, but you know, we got to get there. We got to get there and we're making, we're making our way there. So I think all of it is, is beautiful. And yeah, I think the way we make our way there is is continuing to do stuff like this and collaborating. So yeah, we're well on our way. 100% Mars. I completely agree and just give you some credit as well like it's it's good to see platforms like yourself um, and there are others as well out there like also coming up now like there's this term new media like that is kind of where we fall into and I'm I'm all for that because especially yeah there aren't there aren't there aren't many people and I'm just going to be blunt there aren't many black sports journalists full stop um, and when you want to talk about sports journalists, there aren't many black tennis journalists. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can probably count them on one one hand. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like mainstream anyway. So like, yeah, it, it's kind of nice to kind of be part of that change. Um, and yeah, we, we are as a unit uh, tuning to tennis as well as Blackspin. Like we are now part of that like conversation, which is very exciting for the future. So yeah, man, God willing, like we're just going to continue to grow. We got to do something. Maybe I got to take a, a pocket of your of you guys' knowledge in sports journalism and marketing because you guys is like 
presentation on Twitter at least is great. Mine sometimes is a little a little rowdy, a little funny. Like your edit, for example, I really love the way you do your edits and stuff. Like it's very like yeah, I think they're, I think they're brilliant and stuff. Yeah, I feel like the way I'm looking at it, like okay, yeah, this is actually pretty pretty good. I can I feel like it's only now we're starting starting a little bit obviously because I'm still learning with Premiere Pro and I'm still like you know, <laughs> that software gives me a headache every time yeah <laughs> but when you look at the final final you know the final thing is like oh I did that we did that but um but at the end of the day it's like you know we all have our own favorite people are still loving our platform people are still engaging and we're still you know um making this sport interesting because if we leave it up to the others we cannot say that it will be (laughs) it's a shame though because there's so much beauty in the sport it just isn't there's not enough and i I use this in like all of my like or most of my tag and how i pitch my show there's not enough color in the how the show is presented or how the sport is presented rather and i mean that in all different kind of ways like there's just genuinely not enough people of color there's not enough color in the conversation it's just Mm -hmm. a little bit more bland than what the athletes deserve and i feel like Mm. it's it's time for like you said eugene new media to come out come out and shake things up a little bit 100 percent, definitely yeah so on that note i think we can touch and agree that this is going to be an interesting roland garros and my god i will i will say like i I don't mean to end on this note but when that final ball is done with the clay i'll be a happy man Actually, probably my least favorite clay season. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Except, it's long. Except, except Francis winning. That's probably the only yeah. best highlight thing. But like, it was just too. There was just too much mess. And normally, it's just, like we see that red brick for you for weeks and weeks and weeks. <laughs> Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing the outfits as well. I think Ronan Gowers, he always sees some nice outfits. So let's let's keep an eye on the fits. Hmm. I wonder what Coco's gonna be rocking. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even think about did, that yet. He did release new trainers for yeah. again. New Wait, are those trainers. are those called sneakers? Are they, is that the other oh, yeah. word for sneakers? Yeah, we, yeah, we call them trainers. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, thank you guys for enjoying the ride. And um, definitely, wait, you guys, shout out where, uh, everybody that's that's not already a fan and is looking to get in touch with you. Tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, so, yeah, it's just Black Spin Global everywhere. Black Spin Global on Instagram, Black Spin Global on Twitter, Black Spin Global on YouTube. <laughs> Did I miss anything out? Those, those are our main ones, yeah. And obviously, <laughs> that's, it, that's it, yeah. Spotify, Apple, Podcasts, if you want the audio things, but yeah we got it we got everything you need covered right here in tennis and uh tennis media so i appreciate you guys taking the time out to do this and yeah i'm sure i'll see you guys on the interwebs and timelines and all that stuff talking about the french open it'll be fun for sure indeed man oh thanks for having us Mars. i really appreciate it it's a good good time of course of course anytime